Streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com. Today is Veterans Day, but it ain't a day off for our vets, nor the Patriots will soon enough join them. Yeah, I know. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Still, we don't sing the praise of Americans who are currently on duty or honor those who've retired from the ranks by tacking an extra day onto a weekend every year, letting the troops sleep past reveille and crank up the barbecue in the nearest DMZ while we stand their post. Of course, we've got Memorial Day, but that's more a remembrance of those who already gave the ultimate sacrifice. We've got a day for workers, a day for dead presidents, a day for pilgrims, a day for the guy who paved the way for the pilgrims, a day for a Middle Eastern carpenter. Shit. We've even got a day to nurse our hangovers after the half day we get to celebrate the end of the year. Bankers and postal workers get tons of days off, and teachers get the whole summer off. <laughs> okay, not really, because we don't pay them enough, so they have to get a summer job just like their students. Pro athletes get an off-season. Accountants get to take a breather after tax season. Toll booth attendants, porno producers, and don't even get me started on members of Congress who seem to spend more days out of the office trying to raise money so that they can keep their job than they do in their office actually doing their job. Of course, if you're the tallest hog in the trough, then every day is such a nice day that you might as well play too. Rounds of golf, that is. Not the vets. Vets don't get a day off even when they've got the day off. Get it? You think a soldier or sailor or airman or marine takes off their uniform after defending our country and suddenly feels no need to do so anymore? What country are you living in? I have a friend who retired as a full colonel in the United States Army after 20 years of service. Got himself a boat and a nice little spread down here in South Florida and quietly transitioned into the civilian world. To say that my friend and I have different political viewpoints is a charitable characterization of two guys who keep the ideological seesaw perfectly balanced by intransigently stationing ourselves on its outermost reaches, arms folded, staring at each other without so much as a twitch. If it were up to my friend, the solutions I support in order to fix problems that we both agree require fixing would be listened to and then summarily pired in deference to whatever the exact opposite solutions might be. But if he ever thought that someone was going to try and stop me from broadcasting my point of view, he'd be the first one standing post outside the door of the SoFloRadio.com studio, full metal jacketed and ready to defend my right to proclaim as just that which he would spend every last breath arguing against. And just so there's no ambiguity as to my immense respect for those who have chosen to put on a uniform, I'm acutely aware that my friend, and all the vets like him, had the balls to sign up at an age when my yabos were, comparatively, the size of chickpeas. Perhaps even more impressive is that after several years of civilian life, my friend has recently taken on a position with the DOD in Germany. Hey, you can take the boy out of the fatigues, but you can't take the patriot out of the man that the boy became. Make no mistake, my friend knows how to give orders, and as such, understands why when he's given one, it must be followed. And that's the way it goes, because that's what he signed up for. 
and I didn't. So he gets all the ideological leeway he wants. Lord knows he's earned it. You know what else he's earned? Yep, a day off. But vets don't get a day off. For all too many of our bravest sons and daughters, leaving one field of battle overseas is a prelude to being unceremoniously dumped into another one at home. All care of the public servants who'd assured them that they'd earned the same kind of logistical support here that they'd come to rely on over there. One would think, right? After all, you can't send kids off to war and not expect the experience to have a profound effect on them. Yet somehow, despite being able to conjure up an extra $150 billion in cost overruns for the F-35 jet project, we can't seem to find the money to take care of the people we've entrusted to fly and maintain the damn things in the first place. What the fuck? Today is Veterans Day, but it ain't a day off for vets. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, somewhere, practically everywhere. Just before sunrise, one soldier will awaken to the prospect of a battle to be fought, while another will sweat through the nightmares of the battles he's already waged. We count on those in uniform to stand between us and some jackwad who thinks he can tell us what to say. And they count on us to fulfill the promise we make, which is to stand by them once they take the uniform off. So riddle me this. How come we need an organization like Wounded Warriors? Congress never seems to have a problem coming up with the money to build the Governor so-and-so off-ramp, which connects to the Senator so-and-so bridge, in order to make it easier for insane gamblers to get to the William J. Lepetamine Memorial Gambling Casino for the Insane, and they certainly don't seem to have a problem sending someone else's kids off to wars that, were it not for horribly debilitating bone spurs, or more accurately, the modern-day equivalent of $300, they themselves would have been drafted to fight. Woe is they in their slave-like 140 days a year work schedule. From where do they manage to summon the strength to continue to screw over the vets? I don't know, but they do, and it pisses me off. Where was I? Oh, right, wounded warriors. As if its need to exist wasn't already a Shonda of the highest order, We've somehow managed to poke a thumb in the other eye of every vet who may need a hand by forcing them to rely on a charity with a C-plus rating because it can't figure out how to spend more than 61% of its money on the people they claim to have raised it for. Seriously? 61% for those who gave 100%? What the fucking fuck? Well, I think I've got a way to eliminate two of this nation's stickier wickets. The next time we allow American corporations with offshore profits the ability to repatriate their money, we should do so on the condition that, before they start using the windfall to artificially jack up their own net worth through stock buybacks, they first have to kick back at least 4% upstairs to a newly reorganized, meticulously maintained, and scrupulously overseen Department of Veterans Affairs. And sure, we should also make the latest crop of homegrown bazillionaires, for whom a bazillion, strange as it seems to us mere mortals, isn't quite enough, to fork over a bunch more, so that we can still afford their bridges to nowhere and oil industry subsidies. But never let them forget 
that the only reason they feel secure in conducting business overseas and then stashing the profits there is because they know they can count on one of our men in uniform having their back if anyone tries to fuck with them or their too often ill-gotten booty. Doesn't it seem appropriate to make them pay for, how should I put this, protection, just like everybody else in the neighborhood? Hey, don't think of it as extortion. Think of it as an enabling fee imposed by the global division of this thing of ours. Here's how it works. Every November 10th, we allow American corporations with profits held in overseas accounts to bring it on home with the understanding that this loot will only get taxed at 8% and then designate half the revenue to the VA and the other half to improving inner-city public schools. That way, maybe a whole bunch of vets and inner-city kids can get a whole bunch of days off from worrying about tomorrow by being given the tools for them to make it better than yesterday. Now, that seems like the kind of offer we should make sure Apple, Google, and Amazon can't refuse. The thing is, it really doesn't matter where we find the money to take care of our vets, because we assured them that when they were done protecting us, we'd protect them. So the money has to be found, even if it means renditioning Jamie Dimon to Guantanamo Bay, turning him upside down and shaking every last nickel out of him. If for no other reason, then the guys holding his ankles would be just like the ones who stood a post so that he could make that nickel in the first place. Whatever. We made a promise to our men and women in uniform that if they took an oath and adhered to it, we'd be there for them once they were done and with more than just a day honoring them. To offer anything less than everything we can in keeping that promise is an unconscionable dishonor. So to my brave friends who exemplify what it means to be a straight shooter in every regard, Ed M., Mike S., Crash, Navajo, and the entire USMVMC, Gary, Kenny, and Flying Blind, the crew at American Legion Post 36, the construction man with the master plan, and Jack Swanstrom, along with countless others here, there, and upstairs, who summon true patriotism and to this day possess the courage to stand between the rest of us and all enemies, foreign and domestic. The Groovathon salutes you with its most heartfelt mucho mahalo. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. Yes, I ran with a bad crowd that taught me to smoke weed and steal. I hung out in bars and I hot-wired cars. I grew up mistreated, so I lied and I cheated. I learned hard crime, and I serve hard time. I have walked that crooked road, and I have danced with the demon Satan. I've been face down in the gutter and looked up into the face of God. And I say to you tonight, if you want to give up the bottle, who are you going to talk to? Someone who's never touched a drop? And if you want to give up womanizing, who are you going to talk to? Some pale-skinned virgin priest? And if you want to give up sin, and I believe everyone here tonight wants to give up sin, who can lead you off that crooked road? You need a real sinner, people. 
a sinner of such monumental proportions that all your sins wrapped up in one couldn't possibly equal the sins of this king of sin. Because you know if he can walk that straight and righteous path, if he can go from grit to grace, from sin to sanctity, from lowliness to holiness, that you, with all your everyday sins, can rise up like an angel and ride that golden elevator to God's own penthouse in the sky. Tony C. And as always, I'm joined live in the studio by the master of production and engineering who makes sure that our groove remains satiny smooth. The exemplar of patience. <laughs> Me, compadre. Uh, Maybe that's uh, Gramps Master Flash Team. Yeah, baby. Of course, every groove at the arises from an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo. To everyone tuning in live and downloading the show here in America and around the world, y'all. How you doing, pal of mine? I'm doing great. Yeah. Pardon me while I tweak the levels over yeah. here. Beautiful both... weather. It is coming into that time of year. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yesterday was a... Uh, it was a rain out. Yes, yeah, but that's the, the front coming through. Whenever yeah, you, and it was... Yeah. I had the windows open last night, first time in ages. Put when fans on, windows r- open. Rain, rain in the fall down here signals uh, that's the front coming through. What For the last month, everybody's been freezing their ass off north of the Mason-Dixon line. We've been waiting, <laughs> waiting. It's like, come on, bring it. I would, yeah, that thing with the old snow in Montana, baby. She's like, four, like it was 90 four degrees. feet in one day. Yeah, and it was 90 degrees down here and muggy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, uh, and I, muggings? and what? Yeah. <laughs> right, that, that too. I, uh... It's that time of year. They uh, they introduced sixty new emojis, and and a roller skate was not among them. That's uh, no roller skater, motherfucker. This is why I want to do we're the roller skating the channel. Thing. Yeah, we're gonna have, have to do a thing online. We're gonna have to do a campaign. Uh, yeah, we kind of saw this one coming. John Bolton's got a new book deal, two million dollars. Simon and Schuster. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's going to be a page turner. Oh yeah, <laughs> that guy. I mean, you know. He is the walrus. Cuckoo right. kachu. Cuckoo kachu. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you. You know, there's uh, as always the uh, the recent flurry of news stories. You know, the feel good specials about our vets. The one that I caught was a John. Oh, Bob- by the way, I just I said thank you. I'm a veteran of marriage, not, <laughs> okay. not of the military. But if you uh, if you met my wife, <laughs> 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 you would understand my PTSD. PTSD. <laughs> I was going to say. 
There was a thing on. I saw one with uh, John Bon Jovi. He's like, he, he just released a brand new song. I, and um, it, it basically, it's there to coincide with uh, this new housing complex in the D.C. area for homeless vets. And right. that his charity raised uh, 500000 for him. Here's the thing. He was saying that it took 10 years from the day they discussed it, okay, to the day the first vet could move in there. Okay. On Central Park South, a couple blocks from my mom, there have been at least two separate 70-plus story luxury condo skyscrapers that were built in the last three years. Uh, seriously, once again, I can't help but think this. What the fuck? I, you know? I, I don't know. I'll tell you. Here's the idea I was thinking about. Because I watched this and I thought to myself, what the VA should do, okay, is find one of these Century Village type places. Team up with them or Del that Webb. That great, yeah. Okay? And buy it. Just buy it and turn it into a place of vets. All the, the, the facilities and shit are already there. And you got tons of housing. You'll have, you know, and it doesn't have to be just for vets. But it could be a place where, I'm just saying... That's the kind of thing I love. You, you I'd got love a lot of good ideas, but first you got to get them to care. Yes. Well, you know, you know what? Uh, play what I just said at the opening uh, of the show. Play uh, that in the well of Congress. No, nobody cares, and this is an indictment and, and a half. We are owned and operated by the military-industrial complex, so you would think that yes. they would follow through. Uh, but they but they don't. They only care about what makes profit right now. And taking care of vets that costs money. Yeah. It doesn't make money. Yeah. All right. It's not. It's not a military contract. It's not. Uh, you know, a bullet factory or a missile factory or, or an F thirty five jet or project the, right, or Boeing or anything like that. But they can construct in what right a hundred different right. congressional districts. You know, one right. piece at a time. We can so have for profit prisons, but we can't take care of the vets. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. How about we take one of these massive brand new prison complexes, take all the fencing out of it, redo it, and sure. make it a place where vets, you know, turn it from a... From uh, you know why? Because they don't care. You know, they, don't. They, they, yeah, they, they, those people. Yes. We I, do. You do. I do. So Everybody you know do. do yeah. But they don't. Yeah. And it, it, that's kind of... Thing. There is a... Uh, I spotted this. There's this auction on eBay to raise money for a charity. I'm going to put the uh, the site when we post. I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure that there's a, a... I'll write it down so we can put it up there. It's... Uh, what is it? It's the... Uh, it's Housing for Our Troops. H-F-O-T. So it's eBay. It's on eBay. It's an auction. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there that I'm tempted to bid on just because the bids are so low. Although they're going up now. It, it, this goes on through uh, this Sunday, November the 17th. There was one, I swear to God, the one I really wanted, but it's it's now it's gotten a little bit too expensive for me. Where is it? Uh, uh, hang on, here it is. Four VIP tickets to Fox Network's The Five with a meet and greet. Now, that's up to $2,500. So, oh, man. <laughs> and I just bought groceries. I know. I don't, I'm not liquid right now. There's another one. Uh, this one's a little bit cheaper if I could find it someplace. Where the hell is it? It's a uh, thing for... There's one for the view. Um, Ooh. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff Can on there. Can I sit in the same seat as Don Jr., well, DJ? Did full Frontal, Conan, John Oliver, you know, various, the various morning shows. Yeah, all of these shows. Uh, Seth Meyers has got one. There's Late Night with Seth Meyers. Um, there's a bunch of autographs up. 
uh, Stephen Colbert um, has got one VIP ticket there. That's up to about two G's. Um, what else? The Daily Show, that's at 1,200 and change. Weird Al Yankovic, lunch, lunch for two with Weird Al, 2,125, all right, 32 vids. So God bless him for that. Here's one, though, that I'm tempted to bid on. If this doesn't get a, a, over $100 by Sunday, I'm building, bidding $100. It is an original Mad cartoon signed by Tom Richmond. Wow. 61 bucks right now. All right. Bunch of bid on that. I'm going to, well, let's see how high it goes. If they, right. if they, if it manages to get over $100, okay, as long as that gets over 100 if it's, if it's like right around 100 I may have to swoop in there. All right. Okay. There were a bunch of stuff like people, you know, thought they would be slick. They bid uh, $11.11 is an opening bid, eleven eleven. Isn't that the cutest? You fucking cheap fuckers. What, you give me a slick? The other one that I that I was thinking about, but it's already got uh, a bit. It's, it's, it's a bit high up. There was uh, VIP tickets for the meet and greet to the Greg Gutfeld show. Okay, uh-huh. I don't. Know. I'm not sure I know who that is. Greg Gutfeld on Fox News. He's oh, the, see, that's why I don't know who that yeah, is. I don't. He's the uh, he's the liber- the Foxes. Yeah, he's a you know he's the guy who claims to be a libertarian or whatever. Everything's yeah, a joke. Yeah. He tries to take things that are serious and turn them into jokes to meet his narrative. As I've said before, okay, libertarians aren't about freedom. Okay, what they are is assholes who don't know how to get along with their neighbors. Let's just get that part straight. All right, the rest of it's a dog. I'm not defending them anymore. In any event, that auction goes on. It's on eBay. Housing for our troops. H F O T. You want to go on there? Check it out. Anything we can do. The fact of the matter is, what's sick is that we need this shit, mm-hmm. and we have to have this stuff. We yeah. can't find unbelievable. Well, all right. I vented a little bit there. There's going to be some more because, needless to say, we've got a lot to get to today, including President Trump suddenly tires of waking up in a city that doesn't sleep. Vice President Pence squelches his Hoosier pride in favor of meekly hissing after all those motherfucking snakes on that motherfucking plane finally found a motherfucking home. And guess what? It's in his backyard. (laughs) <laughs> the EPA thumbs its nose at citizens who are increasingly forced to hold theirs. Florida fights for its right to inject rather than incarcerate. Also, Golden State herb harvesters find out that it's meet the new Green Deal, same as the old Green Deal, while farmers in the heartland get tariff thrashed into bankruptcy and find out it's meet the new foreclosers. Same as the old foreclosers. Plus uh, Jim Jeffries' foretelling, Steve Martin's forewarning, and later on, we'll take a look at how Tweeter D and Tweeter Dumb gave rise to Tweeter Even Dumber and exposed POTUS as a patsy. Oh, you like that? There you go. Of course, all of that is going to be surrounded by the finest, most diverse group anywhere on the air. It is. Well, it's actually about 20-some-odd minutes past 2 o'clock. And the only Hollywood that really matters anymore. Yeah, Hollywood. A Florida way it is. <laughs> that means it is just past 9 a.m. Yeah, because they don't do uh, daylight savings in Hawaii. They're not God just, bless them. Yeah. I can't wait. What's the, what's Sign the, me up. Yeah, it's 9 a.m., not 8 a.m. What's the, the, the uh, set, uh, quote from Native American? He goes, only 
Only a white man would think he could cut off the top of a carpet, sew it onto the bottom, and think it's longer. Yeah, and have more carpet. Yeah. Longer carpet. Any event, just past 9 a.m. on the Big Island. Shout out to my OV, Ohana, just past 7 o'clock at night, Dublin, Lytham, St. Anne, Lisbon, and the rest of Western Europe. And yeah, it is just past 9 p.m. in Erdogan, where the Colonel's daughter, Rebecca Celeste, is celebrating her birthday. Happy birthday, RCG. And she keeps the groove flowing as Turkey's dear leader packs for his upcoming tryst at the White House. It's coming up on Wednesday. Boy, is that timed well. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking about that later. Yo, Commander Flash, you ready to bugle some rockin' rough riders in action? The gears are engaged. And saddle up, y'all. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
Donald Trump. Now, every time I've recorded a special, the other specials I've recorded in America have been in New York, San Francisco, and Boston. And everyone's called me a fucking pussy with my liberal agenda. I'm in fucking Nashville right now. 
And if you want to shoot me, now's the perfect time. <laughs> There's eight cameras on me. I think we're good. I think we're good. Dude, isn't it sad that the country's gotten to the stage that when you buy theatre tickets, you go, oh, get, get ones on the aisle so we can run. <laughs> Everyone wanted to get in the middle. We're like, no, no, you're sitting ducks in the middle. You'll... So anyway, Donald Trump. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a lot of fun. <laughs> there's, and there's a little bit of me, there's a little bit of me that when, he, uh, like, that thinks, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it and see how fucking crazy shit can get. Because he just, because what happens is, he says really simple shit that means nothing, and then fucking dummies, right? If you've ever said this sentence, I like him because he's a straight talker, you're as dumb as shit. Just because someone says something simple that you understand doesn't mean they're a straight talker. You can say complex thing and be telling the truth. But like, because he goes, I'm going to make America great again. And you're like, I've got every word in that sentence. He's like, I'm going to build a wall. I have a wall at home. <laughs> You're a straight talker. <laughs> and then he just says shit that it won't happen. Got to build a wall. Mexico's going to pay for it. <laughs> Who? Well, I haven't heard a Mexican yet go, oh, yeah, we've got this. What are you talking about? <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? That's just saying shit. He's like a kid running for class president who's just walking around going, and we're going to have two lunches. And... There's going to be a soda machine in every classroom. Nashville football rolls. But here's where it doesn't get fun. And that's all. It's good fun. But here's where it's not fun, right? What he does is he preys on fear. As soon as he... At the beginning it was, oh, Mexicans are coming over and they're raping. And there was a, there was a terrorist attack and he went, oh, fuck, I'll go after the Muslims. Ah, oh, we should kill the families of Muslims, which, by the way, you're not allowed to do. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to defeat hate with hate. And hate doesn't beat hate. It's never fucking beaten hate. It just makes more hate. Now, this might be the most hippie thing that ever comes out of my mouth. <laughs> but it's true. The only thing that can beat hate is love. Now, love doesn't always beat hate. Right? It, do it doesn't always beat hate, but it does do something. Right? Now, think about your own personal life. Think about a person who hates you and you hate them. From now on, just show that person nothing but love. Now, I'm not saying for a second that that person will start loving you. They'll probably still fucking hate you. But one thing will happen. Eventually, everyone will see them as the asshole. Don't be the asshole, America. Don't be the asshole.
that's how you get it done, baby. <laughs> Gang, band, rockability, and of course, Ace of Spades. <laughs> once again, for once you. again, Ace. You, you know, I don't know how many different versions of that song I have, but that one is a killer. These guys, uh, these are, these cats are from Hungary. They are Hungarian, and basically, what they do is they get together and they do a bunch of rockabilly versions of various songs. They've got like about four or five out there that I've uh, stumbled across, and they're all pretty cool, man. They do a good one. They do a Zeppelin tune, a Who tune. They do them all in that really well-done style of uh, of rockabilly. So, you know, there you go. Gang band rockabilly out of Hungary, baby. So, you know, we like that shit. Robert, before that, Robert Randolph and the family band Second Hand Man, that is from the brand new uh, release they came out with. Brighter Days came out this year. Those cats from New Jersey. I saw uh, Robert Randolph. He uh, does the slide guitar, did the steel guitar and slide guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was uh, part of the uh, crew that was on the tour for the Hendrix show that I saw. He was one of the people that was with Billy Cox and Dave Mustaine and, uh, you know, all the other people. You know, Joe Satriani and whomever else. Before that, I love this song, The Naz. Actually, it's not even The Naz. It's just Naz. Naz. It's just Naz. song is Open My Eyes, uh, and that is a Todd Rundgren composition. That's Todd Rundgren's original band. Uh, that's from their uh, first album. came out in 68. Those guys are from Philly. The, uh, on that album, the original album, Naz, um, there is uh, the original version of Hello, It's Me. The, All right. uh, you know, the song mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, if you don't like that song, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. But obviously something is. For that, Jim Jeffries, yeah, foretelling. Don't be the asshole, America. Too late. Don't be the asshole. Don't yeah, be the, too yeah, late. Yeah, too, too, late, late. Right. too late for that. Okay. We're now going to have to, we're, we're, we're going to be spending quite some time doing a mea culpa on a global <sighs> scale. Hey. Maybe they'll just forget. Nah, they won't. It's up to us to make sure that they don't, that nobody ever forget. Never it's, again. Never again. We can't, oh, like, you know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Before that, Beastie Boys nonstop disco power pack from Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 came out in 2011. That's their, uh, that was their last actual, like, full studio album before uh, MCA, who's got a beard like a billy goat. <laughs> he uh, unfortunately <laughs> passed away. Um, great stuff there, though. I was, I was uh, was it uh, their eighth studio album? There's some really originally they were going to be doing that as like two different parts, and they had to break it up, and because he had to go through chemo, and you know he got diagnosed, and all this stuff. So they finally released it as uh, as a double CD, and it's pretty fucking cool. Before that, the Meters, Chicken Strut from Strut in 1970. That uh, for for anybody who knows what they're talking about, but old school hip hop. That is the uh, the riff that was sampled um, by one of uh, by Queen Latifah off of what I consider to be one of the ten greatest hip hop studio albums ever. All hail the Queen, which was her first album. Every track, every single track on that album is incredible. And I'll tell you something: every single track on Strutton, okay, which is the third, the third, third Meters album, it's the first one that they actually did with vocals. So. Art Neville, Alain Toussaint did all the uh, did all the mixing and writing for that. It's absolutely worth listening to. Came out in 1970. Strutting every track on that 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 album, as far as uh, studio releases, it wouldn't surprise me if two thirds 
of the songs on that album have been sampled at some point or another since. All right. They're just, it's just, Gray's up and kicking off the set. You can't go wrong. Put them in the fucking Hall of Fame already. Or just stop screwing around, okay? Motorhead loved me like a reptile. From Ace of Spades came out in 98, their fourth album. That, I, was, I didn't realize this. That was their fourth album, but it was actually their first U.S. release, Ace of Spades. They already had three albums out. They were touring all over the place in, in England, like that, and they were big over there, but it was the first time that an American label did a release of a Motorhead album. I, I ran into Lemmy. Though. I met Lemmy once at a strip club. Awesome. Yeah, in, uh, in Atlanta. So he was obviously in his... In his element there. He had, he, he had basically a world-famous porno collection. All right. He was known to have had one of the most incredible, wide-reaching, voluminous collections of pornography anywhere. So there you go. So what caught my eye recently? I, I, <laughs> get, I give up. No, <laughs> slow week? Yeah, slow Well, first some hometown news. Uh, get the sports news out of the way. Carlos Beltran, new manager for the Mets. All right. You know, I'm hopeful. You know, let's let's just hope that the powers that be, Van Van Wagenen and uh, and Wilpon, I, I read this thing where they were thinking about trading away McNeil. All right, it's literally the stupidest thing. If they do that, I'm gonna have to go up to City Field and 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 have words. I mean, nothing violent, but I will be picketing. I will go out there and let them know my displeasure. Um, Another one, another thing that caught my eye from New York, and this one was a little surprising to me. Peter Luger, which for years has been the steakhouse in New York. Love the sauce. Yeah. You can and, buy it in stores. Yeah. And their steaks for, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, that was a thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. very expensive, but I would go about once a year. Peter Luger's. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's New York City. So. You can get a great steak almost anywhere. All right. You okay with your headphones? Because I can hear you. I'm a you are fidgeting, man. That's unbelievable. Well, guess what? They, uh, the New York Times. There, I think I got it. Hey, the New York Times just basically bitch slapped them and said, I did, it says, uh, Peter Luger used to sizzle. Now it sputters. Hmm. Yeah. You know? And. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. One of the things that the uh, review from the New York Times was complaining about, and and he mentioned, wasn't so much the, the quality of the food, okay, but the uh, the waiters mm-hmm. and the people. You know, it used to be they. It was old school, man. There were there are still restaurants in New York. But you go out to Brighton Beach and stuff, where you know I remember going to like uh, Randazzo's. You know, the waiters have been there for thirty years, forty years. Mm-hmm. Old school, baby. They know how to treat you. Okay. And that was the way it was at Peter Luger's for a long time, but I guess not so much anymore. And, um, you know, that's part of the ambiance there. Obviously, you go for the steaks. And that was their, uh, they, they, you know, the, the tricks were finally given away. What they do is right before they, they bring it bring it out to you, uh, they, they put a little butter on it and stick it yeah. right under the broiler for about 30 yeah. seconds and stuff. But, you know, it was one of those places where you, you know, you could only order like a steak. I like it. There's a there's a place in uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, called the uh, Pinnacle Peak Steakhouse. And I remember when I went there. Okay, the menu had five items on it, and he yeah. actually and four of them were steak. No, <laughs> it, three of them were steaks. It was the cowboy steak, the cowgirl steak, and the cowpoke steak. Okay, and they had just added two chicken 
things. They All have right. cowboy and cowgirl chicken dinners. Um, side dishes were only, they had like corn, baked potato, mashed potato, um, and then you could get a side salad. There was no like string beans, none of that. Mm-hmm. It was great. I li- Great steaks. Pinnacle Peak Steakhouse. This is the first place I ever went where they, they cut your ties off. They had millions of ties. I mean, they just had, it was like a running joke. For business people, they go, oh, you got to dress up for this place. Uh-huh. You know, and, and then they, they walk in there and it's slight. And everybody would wear a cheap tie. Yeah. And wear, get that one guy to wear, like, you know, the $50 <laughs> Dior tie or whatever. So, um, you know, the next place I saw that did that was, of course, uh, Hogs and Heifers down the Meatpacking District, which is a uh, great biker bar, man. Used to exist. And they opened up one on the east side. And I, uh, and one of the, you ever see, what's the movie? A Coyote Ugly. Yeah. Okay. That's the bar it's based on. Is, okay. uh, the original Hogs and Heifers down uh, just off 14th Street in the Meatpacking District on the west side. Um, it's near where, uh, what else was it? The White Horse Tavern. Got mm-hmm. drunk in there with uh, Eric Roberts one day in the uh, Dylan Thomas booth. Got whacked with Eric Roberts in there. So uh, let me see what else caught my eye. Well, here's the thing. As long as, you know, once I read about the Peter Luger thing, I thought that that might serve as an explanation for this headline. Trump, lifelong New Yorker, declares himself a resident of Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, bigger, yay. you know, and he couldn't. He's moving closer. Yay. That's a thing. Okay. The general consensus that he's doing it for the tax reasons. And also, you want to bitch and moan about the Blasio and, you know, not being treated fairly. But I'll tell you something. I started getting this a little squeamish. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I went online and began familiarizing myself with uh, Florida's stalker, stalker laws. Because, you know, because I can't have. Planning can't, on stalking? No, I can't. He's talking me. Oh, I see. I, I transplanted from, from New York to Florida. I can't have this guy ride, well, ride my coattails. If he thinks, I, all right, I'm going to stand up for him in a yard at Leavenworth, he's out of his fucking mind because that's where he's going to be. Don't don't take it personally because Florida, I, I've described I it. It's, it's America's reservoir tip. It's America's bilge. Eventually, everything settles down here. You know? there's, there's that great line of movie, uh, Cocaine Cowboys, where the uh, reporter, she goes, you know, if you run long enough, uh-huh. you know, if you this is where people wind up if they're they're running yeah. from the law or running from their self or running from their problems. But if you run yep. long enough, you'll wind up down here in Florida. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> so, Seminole means runaway. Hey, I'm just saying he's, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking that my mom is going to be happy because Trump Tower is literally three, it's like three blocks from where she lives. She lives three blocks from Trump Tower. So I'm 50, 57. My okay. Mom's, you know? And so every time he's in the city, my mom lives in the most inconvenient yet... Probably the safest neighborhood in the world because every single corner. Right. Okay. I am. Fidgeting boy. Stop it already. I'm a fidgety guy. worse than me. All right, let me see what else we got. Well, looks like Beto's out. Bloomberg's in. Beto, of course, leaving was predictable. Why? Because we bitch slapped him on the last show. As, oh, okay. I Remember? was going to say, yeah, but that we, was predictable. Yeah. Was, you know, we bitch slapped him. Uh, honestly, I think every Democratic candidate who is currently a senator and not up for re-election in 2020, should get out of the race. Yes. Get the fuck out. Go back to doing we... Mm -hmm. Okay? You can't count. Right. We need all the senators. You're damn right we do. And more. And more. And more. And more. Okay? Uh, Bloomberg, you know, it was interesting because he... The the reason it came out is because he had to file in Alabama, which is the first place... Like, that's the earliest place that closes off filing for, uh, for elections. All right. All right. Um, I had, you know, a long time ago, and I, I posted this a couple days ago, 
so, uh, back in October, I think, of uh, 2016, I had jotted down a bunch of notes for something I was thinking about writing. And I didn't actually do it, but I still have the notes. And, and literally, my, my question was this. Is political office the new sports franchise for billionaires? What, that's good. That's a good observation. Okay. They all Why started not? buying... You know, sports franchises yep. with a new toy. Yep. And now it's like, hey, why bother worrying about what it's going to cost to get somebody elected, what it's going to cost to keep them elected, what it's going to cost to lobby right, them. Right, I'll just run myself. Versus, yeah, what it's going to be. You know, Avoid cost. the middleman and pass the savings on to me. That's exactly it. You know, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Alabama, you know, has a, the, the filing dates are all different and the uh, primaries are all different dates. Louisiana, their filing date is in July, and they don't have their primary until September, which is after the convention. Basically, what they're, what they're saying is, hey, guess what? We don't really matter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Their primary is after the convention. Right. After the Republican convention. It's after. I... It, I don't I get don't, it. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know, but I don't, I don't like the whole thing anyway. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. <laughs> Here's one. This I I just this was this is one of those things. I read it and I was like, really? What we know about Indiana woman's death from python strangulation? A 36 year old mother. Oh, this is from the Indy Star. Uh, a 36 year old mother of two who died in Oxford, Indiana, was strangled by the python that was loosely wrapped around her neck when she was found by authorities. Now, it was an eight-foot reticulated python in a home the police said was filled with 140 snakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know. What are you, what, what are you trying to say? That... <laughs> Okay, the lady uh, that when you walk into a home with a hundred and some snakes that you're taking, you know, you're. I am you're sick son- and tired yeah, of all, all these motherfucking snakes. snakes. Well, oh, now that was you such know, a God such bless a horrible you. derivative idea. Anyway, well, the lady I, is Laura Hurst. Um, the house owned was about. Uh, uh, she owned twenty of the snakes kept in the home. Um. Battleground, it's in Battleground, Indiana. That's where it is, Battleground, Indiana. Okay, that's uh, about five miles north of Lafayette. Um, Hearst visited the house about twice a week, and the house is, quote, made for the keeping of snakes, and no one lives in it. Hmm. The snake apparently had been taken from its enclosure, Riley said. Uh, the other snakes in the house were still in their cages when police arrived after getting a call just before 9 o'clock. Who owns the home? Well, um, some Don E. Yeah. Munson owns the home, some according to property records. Right? Yeah, Munson, who f- who found her, Munson, the owner of the home, who found the chick who was keeping mm-hmm. snakes in the mm-hmm. home, uh, told the Lafayette Journal, the death is tragic. It's a tragic accident. Okay. And it was being fully cooperative. Is it legally? Okay. Is it legal to have that many snakes in a house? There are no laws under Indiana State Police jurisdiction affecting a house with so many snakes. The Indiana Department of Natural Resources does not regulate the possession of any species of python or boa constrictor, regardless of its length. There you go. It does not regulate pythons because they aren't native to Indiana. Right? He said there were no venomous snakes in the house. 
I, you know, the I, founders of uh, of, of Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I they, just, they they didn't really take snakes into account. I, you know, I'm just wondering if uh, any second now, Mike Pence going to start speaking in tongues too. Maybe four you know, tongues. He's a snake guy, you know. Oh, oh, oh! I see the snake handler and the yeah. uh, arsenic drinker. Yeah. Well, yeah. A, remember uh, Matt Gates from Florida. Congressman Matt Gates, the oh, uh, Matt Gates, yeah, yes, the yes, that buckethead, yeah, that bucket, yeah, the the leader of the insurgency into the uh, skip room, yes. Check this shit out. I'm watching TV. Remember, uh, there was a chick, uh, California, the uh, the bisexual chick, Katie Hill. Yes, and she decided to, uh, you know, do the pictures, and then she resigned. That's so sad. She shouldn't have to resign over That's that. right. And you know who said that? Matt Gates came on yeah. television and said, "This is not. She shouldn't. This is wrong." This okay. kind of online, public, yeah. you know, uh, what, what, uh, revenge porn, revenge porn, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. He spoke out again. He literally oh, came to her defense. Good on you, mate. Good on yeah. Good on you. Now, Matt. Now I'm yeah. Good on, on you, you, Matt. Oh, nice. Now here's the thing. My first thought is, wow, that's nice of him. But I've started to come to the conclusion: the reason he did that is because Democrats just fucking didn't didn't. And he's trying to make them look bad and, and everything. And you know what? He right. did. And he's right for doing yeah, so. Yeah. Touche. Pussies. Touche. Right. Did the same you. thing with fucking what's his name up in Minnesota. Franken. Yeah. What a bunch of bitches. Yeah. yeah. Republicans wouldn't have. Are you kidding me? Look at this shit here. Republicans. We got pussy grabber. We got walking into the teenage dressing room. We got the creepiest, slimiest talk about snakes. Slimier than a house full of a hundred snakes. Well, that's a I'm sure the snakes thing wasn't here in Florida. That's that's the kind of thing. That's such a Florida story. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have surprised me. I wouldn't have even brought it. By the way, I know I know snake houses. I could take you to a snake house. Oh, I do too. I have friends of mine that are in that kind of thing. Um, The Parkland shooter. Uh, this kid, Cruz, uh-huh. okay, basically what has happened is Cruz's defense team readily acknowledged that he was to blame for the shooting. In the immediate aftermath of the killings, his lawyers said, look, we will quickly, they very quickly said that they will take life in prison, Get life without parole, throw him in prison, give him life without parole. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, that sounds like a very good way of dispensing with this. It sounds like proper punishment to me, life imprisonment. That's right. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, most people a, on yeah, the left are yeah. not pro-death penalty yeah. anyway. Well, so. that's the thing. You know what? The uh, DA in uh, Dade, in uh, Broward County, our Broward County right here, Yes, he said, no, I want to kill him. So they're going to spend all this time, they're going to go to trial, they're going to go to the penalty phase, they're going to then have to deal with with appeal after appeal after appeal after appeal. I mean, here's the thing. I wonder if, after they convict him and then sentence him to death, if if his lawyers right. will not appeal. I doubt it. So do I. Somebody, their, his lawyers don't have to do it. Somebody will. You right. know somebody is right. going to appeal that. Right, right. For Christ's sake, you save the taxpayers yeah, some money. I know. It okay. Could be over with. Stick them. What about? How about? How about? And I and I hate that sometimes we do this and sometimes we don't. Why don't we uh, ask the victims and see if there's a consensus? You know, because we can't. We you know be, what? It's dangerous be, ground there. It, it is, but I they, think they're, it, they're, I think they should be allowed to weigh in. Well, they'll, they'll get to give their victim statements. Don't they? That, that's what. Okay, that yeah. that yeah. You want victim statements before the. Uh, 
before it's adjudicated. I, I, listen, I think that the system should really take that into account because, after all, they're the ones that are victimized. They're the ones that deal with it every the day. We song. we can, you know, that was yesterday's news cycle. We can tune it out and, and, and everything, but these people's lives were shattered. I, You know, I have two kids. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes, sometimes part of the healing process is being able to to forgive and move on it's it's an individual thing some people resolve that's why i'm not a big fan of you of of this thing because i think it would literally lead to tensions between the families Perhaps, you, have, you don't have to it doesn't have to be all sit them down in the same room you know what it wouldn't matter all right. somebody uh, go on fox uh, somebody go on msnbc and now we're off to the races it's going to be that way anyway because they're you know they're, what you know while this thing plays out for the yeah, death penalty well, some of them are going to line yeah, up but you know what we shouldn't encourage it i i think that we should <laughs> yes. I think we should absolutely encourage victims to, uh, and and we we the people uh, and the system should take their feelings into account, right. and that should be a, a priority. All right, okay. All right. Uh, EPA watchdog citing open defiance of inquiries, review rebukes top agency aid from the New York Times. The uh, Environmental Protection Agency's internal watchdog has rebuked the agency's chief of staff for refusing to cooperate with an inquiry into whether he pressured a scientist to alter her congressional testimony, calling his actions a flagrant problem and referring matter to Congress. In a letter made public on Wednesday, it's last Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, yeah, uh, the EPA's acting inspector general, a guy named uh, Charles J. Sheehan, told the agency's administrator, Andrew Wheeler, that his chief of staff, Ryan Jackson, was, quote, in open defiance, unquote, of two separate inquiries, an audit and an investigation, though details of the second matter remain unknown. To countenance open defiance, even in one instance, much less two, both by a senior public official setting, uh, setting precedent for himself and all agency staff is ruinous. Ruinous. All right. Basically, this is what I wrote down. This is yet another example of the Trump administration's uh, attitude towards problems that it sees or that it narratives it doesn't want to deal with. Okay, This infection throughout its administration where basically they tell people, you know what, here's all you got to do. Just go over to whoever's trying to get something out of you and just say, I'm me, so fuck mm. you. That's what this is. This is an I'm me, so fuck you. That's what they're saying. Yeah, you know we don't have to. We're we're not even going to tell you. And and oh you oh we have to tell you. Okay, hang on a second. I'm going to mm. go find a person that you're going to ask to tell. I'm going to yeah. tell them to right. change what they were going to tell. Right. I'm me, so fuck you. On yeah. the subject of which, Matt Bevin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm me, so fuck you. Right. Go away already. Yeah. Would you please? Now, did you know? This one and, I'm glad, and, 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 and by the way, kudos to uh, the, head of the, the, other, the other Republicans there in Kentucky that yeah, are saying, show, saying, get the fuck out of here. Show, you know, show proof or get out. You're making us look bad. Yeah, and it, not just that, but he bad-mouthed them. So goes right. around, comes around, biz-ass. He, he is, by the way, because I, I never heard of this guy from, you know, before I this. talked about him on a show, you know, last year. And now, that, now they're showing the clips and the interviews and everything. What a douche. Oh, yeah, he's a complete douchebag. What a douchebag. Douche oh, he's get absolutely him out of- a scumbag of the highest order. 
Erickson. Absolutely. Oh, jeez. Get this guy out of there. But I'm going to tell you something. The longer this goes on, 2020 is a uh, Mitch McConnell election. He's up for election again. Mm. Kentucky. Boy, the longer this goes on, how many I chickens will... do I need to sacrifice for that? Oh, my God. Please. Okay. There aren't enough snakes. There ain't 140 snakes ain't enough. I'm getting some new maracas for the rituals, for the Santeria rituals. Oh, man. yeah. I'm going to do some voodoo. Oh, absolutely. The, the num num ring gate joke thing ain't going to cut it. No, 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 no. no we got to go I'm evil. Get chickens, you go man. straight fucking evil. I'm, I'm going old school. Uh, U.S. farm bankruptcy surged 24% on strain from Trump trade war. Farmers increasingly dependent on federal aid and crop insurance. They have risen to their highest level since 2011. You know, I'm shocked. Hold on, wait. I'm not shocked. I'm not. And here's the thing. This ties into, um, I said on the last show that uh, I just seen the uh, piece on 60 Minutes regarding pot farmers in California. Mm -hmm. And how's that working out so far? Mm -hmm. That whole thing. All right. I When I watched this, I thought to myself, you know, this reminds me of what I was talking about when it first happened. You got that clip queued up? This is from mm-hmm. January 15th, 2018, so almost two years ago. This is from, This is what I love about having a show. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is, okay, this is from right after this proposition went through. Hit me with it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we got it. Weed is now legal in California. <laughs> now, if ever there was cause for celebration, this is it. And I'll tell you why. It's not just because people want to get high. Uh, it's because it has huge uh, policy ramifications. And it's not just because it's California. It's because it's over. Here, I'm going to declare it over right now. Marijuana will be legal everywhere. Once I pound the gavel, it is O-V-A-H, OVA. Once you have corporations profiting from marijuana to the tune of $7 billion in California alone, we're done with this thing. Then all of a sudden, corporate power flips to the other side and goes, marijuana? What do you mean, gateway drug? Schedule one? It's fantastic. It's wonderful. You know how much money we're making? And then you grease some politicians, and this thing is done. It's done. Nobody's going to turn down that kind of profit. And then they're going to want it in all the neighboring states, then all the states, and then all across the world. So corporate America, unfortunately, has a lot of downsides, including bribing almost all of our politicians here in America. But the upside is, if you let corporations do marijuana, you will have legal marijuana everywhere. And uh, and they're not done yet. In addition, some local jurisdictions are giving priority or other assistance to marijuana business license applicants previously convicted of low-level marijuana offenses or who come from low-income communities hit hard by harsh drug war policies. In my mind, that is wonderful. One last piece of uh, news for you in regards to this for the whole country. A recent Gallup poll found that 64% of Americans favor making marijuana legal, the highest since the pollster first posed the question almost five decades ago. Majorities of Republicans, Democrats, and Independents all voice support for legal marijuana. It's over. Marijuana will be legal everywhere, and it, as well as should be. And California has, in my opinion, struck the death blow for this insane war on marijuana that has been going on for far too long. 
Yeah, not so much. <laughs> okay, you know, it sounds great when he says it, doesn't it? It really does. Um, I have been talking about this and writing about this for quite a while. Just, just so we can get some numbers right, the $7 billion he's talking about there, that's not profit. That is gross revenue, not net. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting, I said, don't forget, the $7 billion is the estimated value of the pot that's currently being grown in California. But calculating how much of that will enter the legal market is pretty much based on a blind faith that most folks in the trade will suddenly want to abide by laws tomorrow that they didn't care about yesterday. Right. The way Jenks seems to envision the business, dispensaries will wind up buying product from a few mega growers, presumably the corporations he feels confident will want in on the profits. Gee, that's just great. So you think it's a good thing for Uncle Sam to once again enable corporate America to squash the little guy, the independent family farmer? Yep, that's what will happen because the big corporations will be able to grow in an economy of scale that enables them to produce the product for less than an individual can, so they'll be able to sell it for less than for less than an individual can while still being able to make a profit. Needless to say, once all of the industry's peons have been vanquished, the big boys will be free to jack the prices up again without having to worry about losing too many customers. Congratulations. You've now just come out in favor of doing to individual pot growers what Reagan did to single-family farms in the 1980s. Wipe them out. Mm-hmm. And if the prospect of thousands of small-time growers going on the dole doesn't move all the young Turks to rethink their position on legalizing pot nationally, period, here's another potential dilemma that nobody's considered. Antitrust laws, particularly those pertaining to vertical monopolies. Because these days, the dispensaries, uh, a lot of them, they grow their own weed. Mm-hmm. Okay, And they're doing that in order to ensure compliance with the law, which stipulates that 85% of the weed sold in the dispensary must be grown in state. Okay, that's the law. Um, once the big corporations get in on the action, they're going to want to maximize profits by controlling the entire chain of operations from seed to sale. Mm-hmm. Well, unless the pot business somehow gets a pass on having to adhere to the Sherman and Clayton antitrust laws and acts, they'll be in violation of long-standing antitrust laws. Of course, this will force the corporations to grease some political palms in mm. order to sidestep century-old legislation that every other industry except baseball has to abide by. Congratulations again, Jenk. You've now managed to successfully put every independent operator in every phase of the business out of business by supporting the Walmarting of the pot industry. He, yep. he said it flat yep. out right there. Yep. He said it flat out right there. Next, I would submit that because of the increasingly unholy alliance between big business and Congress, inner-city neighborhoods ravaged by the drug trade for decades won't wind up benefiting from legalized pot. And it's for the exact same reasons that Jenk thinks that a change in the pot laws is inevitable on a nationwide scale. It's corporate greed and political palm greasing. No matter how virtuous the local politician's initial intent, we all know that in the long run, if they want to stay in office, okay, money will rule the day. Another element is how the products are manufactured. And this is one of those things that just drives me fucking crazy, okay? The comparison between pot and alcohol, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alcohol, tobacco, and pharmaceuticals, and for that matter, gambling and chocolate, mm-hmm. are difficult and in many cases practically impossible for the average citizen to produce because of existing patents and the complexity in the manufacturing process. Pot, on the other hand, can be grown by anybody, practically anywhere, 
ranging in amounts that would simply negate folks from having to purchase it from retailers for their own consumption to amounts that would allow them to sell to others for less than legal dispensaries could. If you can put together something from Ikea, mm-hmm. you can grow good pot. And what happens when mom and pa kettle realize that they can make more money off of one acre of pot than they ever dreamed of making off of 100 acres of pretty much anything else? Sure. Okay, that's right. We'll become a nation of pot growers. That is until the price inevitably drops, forcing the kettles back into the soybean business. This is why Big Pharma will almost certainly never support pot becoming legal nationally, period, because they know that what they're pushing can't be replicated by the average person. But pot can and most certainly will be by all those who currently grow and the tens of thousands more who will no longer have imprisonment to worry about. I mean, why pay for something when you can produce it yourself for far less money? Right. Why would you even bother? Mm-hmm. As for the 64% of Americans across the political spectrum that favor legalizing pot, just like Cenk Uger and Bill Maher, they never look at the long-term big-picture ramifications of a nationwide legal pot industry. Okay, that doesn't enter into their consideration. Just the projected ease and lack of risk involved in getting high. I wonder what percentage of Congress favors making pot legal nationally, period. I'd wager it's a damn sight less than 64%. Why? Mm -hmm. Just follow the money. Which two industries spend the most on lobbying? No surprise there. It's the pharmaceutical and banking industries, ladies and gentlemen. And both of them have a heavily vested interest in keeping pot on the schedule marked one. I can assure you that if the shysters and pushers who annually spend over $1 billion in pursuit of influencing, which is to say purchasing our lawmakers, if they wanted it to be legal nationally, period, it would have already come to pass, okay? Okay, but it hasn't because drug companies don't want to lose average Joe as a customer and big banks don't want to lose their profits from laundering the cartel's ill-gotten booty. And when it comes to a state like Kansas, even hinting at legalized pot, anybody want to lay odds on who's going to have more influence on lawmakers, the pot industry or private prison lobbyists hand-in-hand mm. with police unions? I'm more than a little perplexed as to why the potential opportunity cost of legitimizing marijuana as an industry hasn't at least given pause to advocates who seem to see no downside in America becoming the first country in the world to do so. What happens if we make pot legal and the rest of the world doesn't follow our lead? Okay. In short order, we'll become the pot supplier to the whole planet, especially if American corporations have anything to say about it. Okay. Do you think members of the European Union will just stand blithely by while American pot pot starts to flood their countries? Not bloody likely, mate. (laughs) I'd imagine they'll try and insist that we spend some of the loot from our new pot biz tax windfall on making sure that what gets grown in Vegas actually does stay in Vegas. And then there are the Mexican cartels, who currently make about 50% of their money on pot. Okay. Any chance they'll roll over when confronted by the might of corporate America? Go to bed and wake up again, would you please? The cartels don't fear American corporations. It's the other way around. And do you actually think that the Mexican government will suddenly acquiesce to our newfound way of garnering tax revenue by trying to stop cartels from exporting their biggest cash crop, a crop that literally puts food on the tables of tens of thousands of their citizens and is produced by compunctionless groups that they are actually terrified of. No es muy probable, compadre. 
You like you like that? I do. I man. thought I, I thought there. I put that one in. I said, look, I don't think that pot growers, sellers, and users should be subject to the same kind of harsh Rockefeller laws like punishments as purveyors of coke and heroin any more than you all do. Of course, I think that pharmaceutical company executives should be held criminally liable for the scourge of opioids plaguing the hollers of Kentucky and the rest of Appalachia and New Hampshire and Ohio and no doubt your neck of the woods. Unfortunately, I think we all know that uh, warrants won't be served nor punishments handed down on those who truly deserve them because the most culpable are almost always the richest. And in American jurisprudence, money is the ultimate panacea. So long as the so long as the biggest drug cartel in the land, the American pharmaceutical industry, isn't truly held to task for its greed-fueled evil deeds, I don't think any of us can rationalize the often extreme narco-industrial complex fueling penalties incurred by the independent operators in their industry unless we, too, welcome the tar of hypocrisy. And I can't imagine... Why those designated by statute as engaging in an ongoing criminal enterprise would consider abiding by those laws when others are seemingly, nay, actually allowed to break them. Until then, federal decriminalization won't really change the rules of the game. It will simply allow a whole bunch of ringers the chance to dominate the league. So unless we want the corporate incarnation of Dave Schultz and the Broad Street Bullies ruling the rink at Cush Kingdom Arena, I think long and hard about cheering for the prospect of pot becoming legal nationally, period. Because if that does happen, I'm pretty sure no one deserving will ever wind up in the penalty box, but many will find themselves on the unemployment line. Yep, nailed it. Nailed it. And that was from January of 2015. A year later, January or January of 2018, excuse me, a year later in the New York Times, January 2019, here's the article. Now for the hard part, getting Californians to buy legal weed. Jonathan Rubin, the head of Cannabis Benchmarks, which is some corporation, says market forces, low prices, and extreme competition will also force many smaller California marijuana companies out of business. This is straining another promise made by proponents of legalization. The small producers would be protected. Well, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, oh hold on. Mm. Yeah, pretty much did. Uh, let me see this chick, uh, Miss Hopkins, the Sonoma County Supervisor. Uh, she said that uh, in California, we've done what we always do, regulate, 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 which ultimately gives significant advantage to large companies with significant economies of scale. Really? Oh, man. Boy, I can't imagine why nobody. Oh, yes, saw that one coming, too. Uh, let me see. Uh, Mr. Adams of BDS Analytics said, in two th- said uh, 2018 was a year of, quote, constantly diminishing forecasts as far as cannabis sales uh, were concerned. Uh, he and others believe that the legal market can only grow, especially after, and this, this was the most interesting thing, um, the disputed decision to allow cannabis delivery systems to operate across the state, even in areas where local municipalities have chosen to ban pot businesses. And this is one of those things. The state legalized it, but local places can still say not in, not in our backyard. And 80% of them basically did. 80% of the local towns said we don't want pot dispensaries there. Um, let me see. But 2018 was in many ways a banner year. Um, 
Canada became the first industrialized country to allow sales of recreational cannabis. The Me- this one I like. The Mexican Supreme Court ruled that banning cannabis was unconstitutional. Really? Paving the way for legalization. Wow. I wonder how that'll affect the market. Jeez. Yeah, we're talk about, let's see if the USMCA can get in on that action, boy. We're going to be surrounded, literally, by two countries that legal with legal weed, Canada and Mexico. Um, the interesting thing was, though, is this, uh, this, this lady said that uh, the, you know, the surplus problem, which is what they've got. I mean, they, they consume like two and a half million pounds and they produce 15 million pounds. I'm like, oops. <laughs> okay. Said the surplus uh, would be good when, it become, when weed becomes legal nationwide. It would be wonderful if we could sell to other states, she said. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this, uh, this uh, decision that allows delivery services. I wonder what the laws are as far as simply storing pot and then having it like, you know, Amazon. Uh, I'm sure there are laws again that. We'll see. They just said right. that it's legal to deliver it. All yeah, right. Across state lines? No, no, no. Just in California. To all okay. of the, the 80% of the municipalities and towns and, and hamlets and villages mm-hmm. throughout California that have said, we don't want weed dispensaries in our community okay okay they've said we're not going to allow that we don't want to allow this the degenerate junkies in our neighborhood but basically look it's their right just like you know okay i you know if that's what the majority of the citizens want hey man welcome to democracy on the other hand if you're allowed to deliver there I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's a market for that. So basically, that was from 2019. And then two weeks ago, 60 Minutes did a story. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right? And basically confirmed what the New York Times article had pointed out in January, which is basically what I pointed out the previous January. This all comes by way of saying, yeah, you listen to the Groovathon, you stay ahead of the fucking game, pal. Right? Yes, you do. I'll tell you one other thing uh, that I noticed. Neither the New York Times nor the 60 Minutes thing mentions how much it costs the state to regulate the legal industry. Right. I don't know what it costs. One would assume it's being covered by the tax revenues. Tax yeah. revenues are less than half what they expected, which is what I said. And mm. The 60 Minutes thing, the the... the, uh, the just one of these sheriffs, they, they go in like a helicopter thing, you know, and they're looking around mm-hmm. up there in a fucking golden triangle, you know, up in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Humboldt County and stuff like that. All right. Um, and so the interviewer was saying, so what about the tax revenue that we were supposed to get for this? And he just laughs. He literally yeah. just laughs right in her face. He laughs. Mm-hmm. You know, I said a long time ago, I was trying to dig this one up when I was living out in Hawaii. I said, you know, what we need to focus on is people who are growing not illegally on private land, but people who are growing illegally on government land, on in, in the parks. Sure. I mean, yeah. Focus on that. Just stick with that. The interesting thing was, I also said that the reason we want to focus on these illegal Mexican cartels who are setting up shop in the, you know, in, in the parks and in, in the really, really remote places mm-hmm. where nobody can get to. So the reason you want to focus on them is because of what they're using, the chemicals, to suck the water out of, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's designated for somebody else. We should be doing that. That's exactly what the sheriff said. He said, 
that if he brought somebody to trial for illegally growing a thousand plants, mm-hmm. he'd be thrown right out. But if he brought that same person to trial and said they were illegally diverting water mm-hmm. from another source and they were using illegal um, fertilizer, fertilizer chemicals they were milking, he said throw the, 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 the same people would throw the book right at him. Okay. Okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You got Al Capone on taxes. So there do it, what you can do. Yeah, exactly. Al Capone, the man who, you know, the man who literally created, are you ready for this? I always love this. The Better Business Bureau. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Al Capone is the man who created well, the Better Business Bureau. there you go. Good for you, Al. Yeah. He also called the stock market a freaking racket. Uh, <laughs> I thought he had a 90 EQ. Turns out he was a genius. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, well, we got the impeachment hearings coming up. We'll talk about yeah. that later. I'm just saying, I'm trying to think of what the drinking games are going to be. For the impeachment hearings? Yeah. Quid pro quo. <laughs> yeah. I do not you recall. Know, yeah. I do not recall. Or I didn't see it that way. The way that I do drinking games is I believe that there should be teams. <laughs> you know, one team drinks on on this set. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right. It's like uh, along partisan teams. Like like what you think the other side is going to say, that's you, that's your list that you oh, have gotcha. to drink on yeah. and vice versa. That's how they should always do drinking games because otherwise, you I know, really, you just all get drunk together. One of the things I realized is that uh, the uh, Republican narrative has but Rudy, taken, taken Rudy Giuliani's on there. Oh. Every time they say the name Rudy Giuliani, not when he's testifying. Right, yeah. Just when somebody else is testifying, Rudy Giuliani. Right. You go, you got to take two drinks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna in honor of Rudy. In one, honor. one for you and one for Rudy. One for you. Right, yeah, there it is. That's exactly it. It's why we leave the candle in the windows during times of the year. So, um, you know, with the, uh, the public hearings premiering this weekend and just in time for the holidays. Yeah, what a treat. I'm thinking it should make for a very interesting Black Friday. I'm watching all of it. It's gonna, that's going to be a hoot. Wednesday and Friday, right. We got testimonies Wednesday and Friday. Yeah, but I mean Black Friday right after Thanksgiving. That's gonna, oh, that is just going to be a hoot nanny. I stay home on that day. Gal- but I put together a little uh, a little impeachment soundtrack set. Get your, get your motor right. running on that one. Okay. You ready to do Great. the groove? I'm ready. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, we're going to blow your whistle, baby, on the Groovathon. That's SoFloRadio.com. Talking to the kids and the bicycle riders. Talking to the heapers and the Watergate hiders. Talking to the people getting down at the go-go. Shake a tambourine, go and get yourself a whistle and blow. Shake a tambourine and blow. Any kind of whistle, let's go.
rock on. Acknowledge my song, bring my posse along to the party, cause danger's on. From the heart is in effect, so I say, buddy, study. Think and learn, dig the move we made. Stunning those that just can't behave. Discipline, there's a hand, a clue from the group, and two, tough. All up in you with the formula coming from me, cause no one told ya of a logo of theory of saying this ain't no joke, Jimmy. I ain't playing, I'm hardcore, straight up raw. I'm the overlord, I star clocking. But no, as if you didn't know, flying on the scene when it's time to go. Ask for a number from any member of the tough crew band. Remember, jacking on my tip, over tip of my shoulder. I'll be a soldier, a team roller, smashing those who stand in my path. Counting them down like math, planning, mapping. Wrapping them down for my part of town, girl. Squad in action. My man Adam Levy at the top of the heat. To the top 
grandfather Mitch got things all hemmed up. A-Tech in effect, what's so plain? G-Town, my part of town. 3-2 cross the bridge, you know what I mean? Yeah, I want to say what's up to my side, fully dangerous on Pasi. A special hello to my mom, 28 Street Pastor, 24 Street, Mike C, my brother Shrine. My sister L.B.'s Hogan House, the class of 88 for Monty G. Yeah, boy.
lot of things. Such a big, such a big thing. I think what should happen, right? Don't we agree? I mean, I think so.
Yeah, baby. That is a band called Black Coffee. Song is I barely know her. These cats from uh, Columbus, Ohio. There's really not much out there by these guys. Basically, if you go to their page, it says we're four college dropouts who are into Zeppelin and Van Halen and stuff. So basically, they're just creating some new rock and roll. It's a brand new song they came out with. So there you go, Black Coffee. I would imagine they're getting probably a little play at some of the local stations there. But yo, that's yeah. right. We bring it to the globe, baby. Welcome to the boot groove with Don Bump, y'all. Black Coffee and Hizzy. Black Coffee, of course, just the name of the band alone is enough to, you know, get me to at least give them a shot. Right. Yeah, you know, that's. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how I stumbled across them before that. The Uptights. That's what I get. It's 45 they came out with in 67. Uh, that band was fronted by Ike Noble. Uh, and he was a uh, cat that performed around Toledo, Ohio back then. He was a... Uh, Local guy, and he did, uh, you know, came out with a few 45s there. Shout out to a Jazzman Records, man. What a treasure trove this guy's YouTube page is. Jazzman Records out of England. He has, this guy is one of the ultimate digging through the crates cats. Seriously. He has, I play probably something that he has stumbled across and, and reissued mm-hmm. on his label. I probably play at least one song every week from, from that. It's it's there's so much incredibly great groovy ass shit on that. Before that, the Brogues. I ain't no miracle worker. Yeah, that was a uh, forty-five. They came out with in nineteen sixty-five. They literally only had two forty-fives that they came out with, and the reason is is that after they came out with that one, two of their members were drafted. All right. Yeah. So that was the end of the band, man. The uh, the very end of that song, that there's that little keyboard part, and just a shout out to a Deb O'Neill, who's keyboard player for the Fuzz Tones. That yeah. sound, that is the Deb O'Neill keyboard sound. That that kind of the Farfisa, I think it, you know, something like that. You know, not, I don't think it was a Hammond. Maybe what? Maybe it's nah. It didn't have that quite. Have that ice skating rink. Sound, <laughs> but it's just it's so good before that. Yeah, Trump slowed down, you know, a little support for yeah. I think it is gonna be probably well, he was probably stoned at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was regular speed. <laughs> before that, yeah, we had a uh, three song block get you uh get your motor running for the impeachment, uh, you know, for the public trials. David Bowie and Queen under pressure. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, classic classic. And before that, a two song mix that uh we put together this is a couple years ago. Um, and it's one of my favorite mixes ever. Uh, it starts off with the Soul Searchers, which is a Chuck Brown's band out of uh, D.C. Chuck Brown, the Soul Searchers, uh, Blow Your Whistle from Salt of the Earth, which came out in 74. There's a, uh, I found this somewhere, uh, Make Go-Go, D.C.'s official music. New legislation would cement the sound's rightful place at the center of this gentrifying city's culture. I've uh, talked about um, go-go music, my love of go-go music for for years. I played a lot of stuff. There's an album that I absolutely love. It's hard to find. I finally stumbled across and downloaded it. It's called Go-Go Crankin'. Paint the White all House right. black. Um, and it's got all that stuff on it. Um, Reds, uh, Red, R-E-D-D, Chuck Brown and Soul Searchers, all that great go-go music from dc it's fan fucking tastic it's it's just chuck brown you can't get enough of him 
I, I, can't, I personally, and the thing about go-go music is when you see it live, I, it's, there's, they don't use the synthesizer and stuff. It's, it's, you know, like Brooklyn Funk Essentials. They put real people playing real instruments on a stage. So they got like 15 people on a stage. But every okay. song is, it's like you're in a club. It's, it's the extended version for the, right. dance, for the 12-inch. So every song is 15 minutes, 20 minutes. 25 minutes wow. when you see them live mm-hmm. they'll just keep it going man you know and and not in a way that you know like the Grateful Dead will do their you know mm. Space Jam thing okay because that just makes you fall asleep go-go music makes you keep shuffling your feet hello Great. I'm a poet and I know it and that mixes right into Tough Crew my part of town from Danger Zone as their first album came out in 88 those cats from Philly they sampled uh um, uh, Curtis Blow, tough. Right. Uh, that's you know I spotted that. Did I write that? Yes, I did. Yeah, Curtis Blow's tough on that particular track, and of course, Tough Crew since then has been sampled over and over. They got a, I played a couple of tracks from them, so you know this is that part of the show where we talk about the you know what the, whatever the, the <laughs> insanity. Here's what I wrote down: Trump is a patsy. That's that's how I started this. I, yeah, a couple of quick notes here. The woman who lost her job because it was a picture of her giving the giving mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. flipping a bird. Guess what? She uh she won election in a local office up in Virginia, mm-hmm. and her district includes one of Trump's golf course courses. Yeah. Boom shackle! Oh, come on. That yeah, no, there's got to be something good. She's great. I saw a little interview clip with her. Oh really? She's, she's awesome. What she likes? She's nice. Yeah. She's cool. No, she's a really nice lady. This was she got into politics because she lost her job. I mean, she decided to run yeah. as a result of that. And talk about talk uh, about, this yeah, is talk great, about, yeah, great response. Roosters great coming revenge. home. Yeah, yeah, chickens coming home to roost. Uh, Roger Stone. I'm oh. too sexy for this trial. Too yeah. sexy for the judge. Too sexy. He's gone. I said he went from the uh, catwalk to the perp walk. Mm-hmm. Roger Stone. That guy is such a fashion dandy that you got to imagine he puts from the rough every once in a while. I mean, he's talking about being a swinger with his wife and shit. Yeah, come no, on, man. I mean, he's, you know, he's, you know he's, he's gayer than Mike Pence. Oh yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And and I and because gay scared con- straight gay well, conversion not- therapy are these people that that say that it's a lifestyle choice. I it, I say to them very simply. So you chose to be straight, you know, despite your homosexual tendencies. That was the, right, the Bill Maher said this. He goes, "If God helped you to go straight, mm-hmm. he said, let me ask you something. How come God made you gay in the first place?" That's that's the that's the old <laughs> logic. But these guys, they say it's a choice. They, no, God didn't make you gay. Right. You chose that. Right. All right. Yes. So I ask them. So you chose to be straight? And they go, <laughs> "No, of course not. I can't." Yeah, you know I can't imagine any other thing, and I go, I right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. asshole. You, you keep denying choose. who you, you don't are. Choose that. You will never be. You don't in choose peace. that. You and Mike Pence, I'm sorry. Anybody that tries so hard with the whole, I don't uh, have dinner with anybody that isn't my wife, and he's and, always and holding her hands, and, and he calls her mommy, and he believes in gay conversion therapy, and he's got that haircut. You're not fooling anyone, sweetheart. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. please. You know, come on. Look at him, the way he talks. He's such a simpering. You know he's probably got a, a handshake like a wet fish. <laughs> right? That Here. was our, when I was at University of Vermont, that was our thing. 
when you'd reach out to, to shake somebody's hand, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you look at it. No, you go like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fish. his handshake. The well, fish. guess what? The you cold know? fish. Yeah, well, yeah. That's a, I started out with, with three other guys. We were called the Freds. We became, we became friends when we uh, met at, like, orientation. And so two of us roomed together, myself and John Schwab. I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. John is from uh, Philadelphia. And then there was Brian Murphy. He was from Boston. And Pete Rigel. He was from uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. Okay. So we had the those you know we had we had all the hockey towns in the uh, in the Norris Division you know in the Atlantic Norris Division for for the NHL covered, and we were called the Fred. We couldn't remember each other's names originally, so we just called each other Fred, right. and we became known as the, the Fred. Freds. Okay. And we started doing that. Oh, fish! You know, shit. <laughs> well, living my uh, my junior year, okay, was uh, in my dorm. Down the hall was uh, Trey Anastasia. Fish. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just saying. All right. Just throwing it out there. Coincidence? He had. I'll tell you one of the coolest things was that uh, our, our dorm president in uh, in uh, uh, Mason, Mason, the Mason dorm was MDM was, you know, on the Redstone campus. There's was a guy named Mark Nichols. His nickname was Heavy Metal. This is who we elected as our dorm president. All right? Seriously. You can't get more out of your mind than this guy. And he was on the fourth floor. Trey was on the fourth floor. And in between them was this guy who had a uh, a piranha. One piranha. He had a fish tank with a piranha in it. Okay. And the thing to do was every once in a while, you know, you'd starve it for about four, five, six days and go in there and, like, dump a bunch of goldfish in. And we'd, uh, all, no. we'd all stand around and watch it go crazy, man. It would, uh, you know, it would literally take about a minute and then... The only thing left were just scales floating on the top That's of it. crazy. Time. Yeah, we were out of our minds. So speaking of Roger Stone, speaking we of tangent it right off. Yeah. And no, that um, interesting, st- you know, I can't Roger for- Stone's one. He's a, he was, you know, he got his start with uh, Roy Cohn. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. He's the Roy Cohn. I've said this over and over again. I was way ahead of the game on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, I, I said that I, I predict that at some point the uh, best on the uh, – uh, Non-fiction bestseller list is going to be a book called From Cone to Cone, C-O-H-N, C-O-H-E-N. Okay. The Conjuring and Downfall of a Demagogue. That's the title of the book right there. Well, get busy. From Cone to Cone, that's what somebody else said to me. The minute I said that, they were like, yeah? What the hell are you doing on Facebook, you fucking moron? Start that's writing. Right. I did, though. I wrote all about all, a whole bunch of stuff that, that Roy Cone did. And, you know, he's another fucking, you know, toy boy who basically spent his entire life denying that he was gay. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Any one look at Roy Cohn, you tell he's gay. Just look yeah, at him. He's gay. Just like he's Roger Stone. He's gay. I mean, you he know. He spent it, his, yeah. And of course, he died from what? lipstick on yeah, you, Roger? He died from liver cancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Actually, yeah. Mm, no, yeah, what no, he died yeah. from was basically fucking shopping for fucking booty in every closet from, D, from K Street to Christopher Street. Boom, how you like that? Uh, very, Christopher Street was the big gay district down in, uh, in the village. Thanks for mapping that up. Yeah, man. You know, and so he died of that. But Roger Stone said uh, that he, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't gay. He just liked having sex with men. Gay, gay men right. were effeminate. He was uh. into power. I was like, power? Is that what, is that what the kids are calling being mm. on a download these days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. If you want a quick uh, note here. The Saudi oil company, I talked about this when it was first mentioned about two years ago. Uh, Saudi oil company is called Aramco. They're mm. about to issue their IPO. I, I talked about this when they first brought it up 
because Saudi Arabia had a budget deficit. There's a couple years ago. Joe, I go back, like I said, mm-hmm. you want to stay ahead of the game? Mm-hmm. Groove it down, baby. Now, yep. Two years ago, I talked about this, I said, and what the, the Saudi royal family was doing was they were injecting money, their own personal wealth, into the country's GDP to prop stuff up. Mm-hmm. And so now what they're doing is, um, you know, they're, they're going to give away a percentage of Aramco, which, which is uh, the Saudi official National, state. right. You know the the house of I said the house of Sauds having a desert sale yard sale, <laughs> okay. Um, that is just in time though. It's a good thing though because we're going to need to raise some money. Why? Because a couple of uh, ex Twitter employees were just charged with spying mm-hmm. for Saudi Arabia. Those bastards. Oops. One of them's still here. The other one's over there. We got one of them, and you know he's going to roll like a bitch. We're going to yeah. make this guy roll like a fucking. He is. Yeah. Trust me, rap boy, this guy is fuck. He is rolling. He's Henry Hill for 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 Prince Soul, whatever his name is. You know? Uh, yeah, don't ask me. Yeah, whatever that guy. So that's interesting. Also, you know, while we're on the, Twitter, is the, is this thing? And and I I wrote um, a while ago. I said the uh, the president uses Twitter sort of like Truman initially used nukes. <laughs> First as uh, proof of the ability to instantly cause mass destruction the way nobody else could. And then it's a deterrent once everybody saw that he was willing to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. You, uh, so you think we blew up the Marshall Islands in pursuit of knowledge? <laughs> All we learned is that testing nukes to prove that we could ended up striking just enough fear in parts of the world for them to look the other way regarding our nation's foreign policy. Of course, that was right up until they built their own bomb. Mm-hmm. Okay, I truly perish the prospect where the battle of Twitter may prove to be a pivotal one fought over and over. Of course, lest we forget that once the commies did figure out how to make their own bomb, the deterrent was called what? Mad. Mm, right. Yeah, it's called mad. I said, I wonder what President Trump would become if he couldn't tweet anymore. Worse than that, I wonder how he's going to react when someone presents a genuine challenge to his Twitter dominance and does so without kid gloves. There's a... Uh, okay, and... Seriously, if you want to, if you want to get at him, mm-hmm. you got to troll him. You're going to have to troll him. Okay. There was a uh, an article in the New York Times from November the second, and it is a must read. Um, in Trim, in Trump's Twitter feed, conspiracy mongers, racists, mm-hmm. and spies. I read that. It is. Yep. It's a eye opener. Came up on my news feed. It yeah. is an eye opener. No surprise. And. The other thing, and I've been telling you about this, of all the special, of all the shows I've seen recently, Frontline did a show uh, about a week ago mm-hmm. on artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's the most important two hours of TV that has been produced in the last decade. I say that knowing full well that there's been a lot of stuff that has come out. This is the most important thing you can watch okay All right. by far it was on PBS it's available online you can go to the mm-hmm. PBS site whatever your local PBS station is they're going to make you is this your local for New York it's WNET channel 13 uh, down mm-hmm. here it's what is it PB, PBS P, yeah but it's WPBT oh the, well, yeah whatever so. the, okay. the TV yeah. you want to watch this it's very okay and read this article 
and it's very interesting stuff. You know, it's it's all about how the number of tweets that get, you know, how it gets used. And they show what happens when the president, because I spoke uh, last week, I brought mm-hmm. this up. That's like the Kenny Santella term you want to, uh, uh, bot, you know, was it uh, Twitterbot.com or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned on the last show, and it shows the top tweets, the top trolls, the top things, all these things, and it shows where they're coming from. There's an interesting thing here about uh, uh, Trump. It says, uh, it did not stop Republican congressional candidate from quickly picking up on the hashtag, what was it, uh, fake whistleblower. That was it. Fake whistleblower. Mm-hmm. First things first, and I brought this up a couple of shows ago, Hannity has gone to DEFCON fucking six. Well, he's part of the drinking game now, isn't he? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my. Because his name comes up in the testimonies. Hannity. He's, Hannity, he's Goebbels. Every, he's the propaganda night, minister. Every, he is. Every night. Every opening monologue from this guy. I could do it now. I could, mm. As a matter of fact, I'm almost certain I could do it right now unscripted. Okay. Breaking so news. I, I wouldn't know. Breaking news this evening. Him. Yeah, shifty shift, and the guys, they're so classy, and they're they're fake, mm-hmm. the fake non whistleblower third party whistleblower non whistleblower, along uh-huh. with the shady Democrats, who now have yeah. little Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg's worth more money than the rest of the country. Right, but they do that. They they they'll so make fun of your gender, your ethnicity, your height. All you of that nicknames. Right, schoolyard yeah, bullshit. All the all the things that Trump says. Every okay. By and, the way, those are fighting words because you know I'm short. Oh, to take, hey Hannity. Yeah, fuck you. Listen, Sean. listen. Oh, all that. Take, what does he take? Tybo. I'll, I'll it's take like you a big done. karate thing he takes. Who Hannity? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. He's probably twice my size with his Tybo. Yeah, kick bring, his ass. I'll bring it on. I'll tear you up, buddy. Oh yeah, I will. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't five, care. Five, I'll tear you up. Oh, yeah. He's going to come at me with some move, and the first thing I'm going to do, mm-hmm. okay, is poke him in the eye. First thing I do, poke him right in the eye, and the next mm-hmm. thing, right after that, bam, punch was, him right in the Adam's know. apple. All right. Well, That's it. You just gave away your whole game. Kick him in the balls. I. It's a fight. I don't have to be fair. Right. There's no fair. Fuck you, They man. don't fight fair. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Right. So Basically, it's stuff like this. The whistleblower and... They're claiming somebody now said they know who it is, and then somebody yeah. and all the stations, even Fox News, said, "Do not say his name." Right? Okay. But somebody went on to one right. of the shows and said it anyway. Yeah. Okay. And Here's Don Junior tweeted it yeah. and everything. There's a the thing. They they don't know it. They don't know right. it for sure. No, they I don't know. know it for sure. It's a fucking lie. They're liars. He's well, a liar. we knew that. Yeah, we knew that. Okay, it's a lie. It's you a know, lie. why don't and you like, just get the phone book? Ooh, yeah. remember that? Dating myself. Uh, and just start reading names. Yeah. One of them's bound to be it. Yeah. Or not. Or not. Well, maybe right. they're unlisted. Maybe That's it right. was A.B. Ishkabibble. Maybe it was the bogeyman. A.B. <laughs> Ishkabibble. Here's the thing. They're screaming and yelling and hemming and hawing. And even the guys who are trying to take, you know, a more subdued road as far as all this concern. Well, we do need to know about the whistleblower and what his intentions were. Why? Okay. Here's my question to all the people. The, Here's yeah. my question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. The only reason you would want to hear the whistleblower and know who he is and te- have him testify is if you think that he uh, that what he said 
mm-hmm. was made or up. Or she. You know, what he or she said no. is not true. No. And it's obvious that it is true. Listen. So where, where the messenger is of no importance to anybody they, other than people they know who that. don't want to hear the message. They know that. No, here's what it's all about with them. They know that Trump committed a crime. They committed the crime with him. They've been committing crimes with him from the very beginning. They have been on the receiving end of Russian dollars. Yeah. McConnell and Graham and everybody. That's why they're this all Ukraine tied in. This is, is like, we need, to make, we need to make a made, stand. It's made this up. is what's going on. We need it's to make a stand for up. this. We need to make a stand with this guy because we're all in on it together. All right. That's why no matter what happens, we got to stay in power. We got to make sure that he stays there so that he can pardon himself and us and everybody else because this is all a big crime scam. And the only reason they want to know who the whistleblower is is just so they can they can rip him apart and malign him and torture him and punish him for daring to tip the first domino. Uh, of this whole thing yeah. because at this point and the Republican hypocrisy by the way, on this is there of course it's broad daylight they 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 know it's irrelevant all right yeah. nobody else cares and the only reason they care is so that they can punish that person yes. that's it it's distract a palooza sure Distract the Palooza they, 2019. Right. Distract the Palooza 2020 is on and, its and way. It, and the people keep asking. asking, like, they keep pretending that we didn't see the president and Giuliani and, and, and Mulvaney and, and, Pompeo. And, and Pompeo and, 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 and fucking and Sondland. Five minutes ago was right there with them, one of the three the amigos, that they all admitted it. They all admitted it. Oh, by the way, and, and Lev... My new oh, favorite Lev. guy, my guys. new favorite haircut, Lev. Also, yeah, it was, we were extorting the shit out of them. The, the, so you like the clubbyons? What is it? The mafia? Yeah, yeah Lev. Oh, Lev I love Lev. They're like, you know who they remind me of? Jorge and Yorta. When are Saturday Night Live bring Steve Martin oh, yeah. and Derek back to do, do Lev, Wilder? Lev, yes. and Igor as Jorge and Yorta? Oh my god, that is that's it. who they remind me of. Oh my do god, wild and crazy guys. That is you. You have just your. That is I, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. Anyway, because sorry, I like. And by the way, and you know what makes this even more more delicious <laughs> is that Lev was gonna play along and sit on his story and everything, Oops. but he saw Trump get up there and say, "I don't know this guy." And it hurt his feelings. Oh, yeah. You see that, you fuck? You can't turn on your accomplices like that. You gotta... St- Listen, there, uh, there, the there, needs like to the, be, there needs to be honor among thieves, the, or you're all going down together. The thing but, I like the most is that the... the uh, the Yovanovitch, whatever her uh, whatever her name is, the, uh, the Maria Yovanovitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she said that she had like been three. You know, she was feeling, you know, uneasy. Somebody sent her a note said, "You better get out of Ukraine. You better watch your back." And Sondland said, I think it was Sondland who said, mm. "Well, look, you need to you need to tweet how much you support yeah, Donald Trump. That, to, that's uh, how to get back on his good side. Suck his dick publicly." And she said, "No, I'd rather die." Okay, years ago, I said, and I wrote a whole bunch of shit about this, and. I described him as what he is, an adulation addict. Sure, he among other things. He is an adulation addict. Sure. You can, uh, you here's can a great line. Um, an, an Iranian, there was an Iranian uh, Twitter account that mm. heckled uh, Trump saying, every morning the American people wake up, they're nervous about your new tweets. That's what the Iranians said about him. 
the thing is, is that the uh, the Chinese are kind of feeding into this now. I was talking about the Hong Kong protests, mm-hmm. and I said I was going to do a little recon on Hong Kong. One of the things that is happening is uh, Trump administration might be able to make demands of Chinese leaders or Hong Kong officials, especially because members of the, of the elite political circles want to maintain access to the United States. Greater involvement by Americans could give Beijing more ammunition in its propaganda effort to portray pro-democracy movement as one stoked by foreign forces. There, where's the line? There's a gray line in here. Uh, there was a thing that broke out. Uh, he's a transactional president. In June, he told Mr. Xi on a call that he would stay quiet on Hong Kong as mm. long as Washington and Beijing were making progress in trade talks, according to an American official who spoke on anonymity. Now, there's this guy, Mr. Wong, who is one of the uh, leaders of the pro-democracy movement. He's over here, and he met with Pelosi uh, in Washington in September. A Chinese foreign ministry spokeswoman, Hua Chunying, lashed out, Mm -hmm. saying it is precisely because of the naked cover-up and connivance of external forces, such as Pelosi, that the violent anti-law forces are even more fearless. No matter how your eyes are blinded by prejudice, no matter how your heart is filled with evil, Hong Kong is China's Hong Kong, the spokeswoman added. Any attempt to interfere in Hong Kong affairs will not succeed. Mm, mm. Now, there's a bill in support of Hong Kong democracy. It passed the House unanimously. We keep talking about how we need to reach across the aisle. Here's something... That 435 people that can't agree on what time of fucking day it is, yeah. agreed on. Well, the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, has not scheduled a vote yet. The measure is expected to pass the chamber easily with a veto-proof majority. Then Mr. Trump will have to decide whether to sign it into law. I, to- I said this last week. I said, we're going to be confronted. It's all going to be about the timing. Right. Uh, keep an eye on that. Right. China is using Twitter as a way of doing exactly what these troll bots and right-wing mm. trollers and Twitter users are, are doing to get, you know, to to keep furthering this Ukrainian DNC server bullshit. They literally made it up, and it is now part of, like, the, you know, the, lex- the news lexicon at this point. It has to be responded to because it's out there. This is one of those things that Fox has been doing. I, I've been, I've hated this for years. This is their methodology. Well, it's being reported that. Yeah. They're not reporting yeah. it. We're not saying it's true. Yeah. We're just telling the, you what somebody those, else... Those who say, or they put it in the matter of a question, is Hillary Clinton really Satan and drag? Yes. You know, like, yes. Yes. I, you, Some people are saying again and again. I used to think you we know, haven't you're, you're fooling a lot of people talking like that. No, no, no. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah. You're not being fooled. It's all a big charade. It's just we're a bunch of bigots. Yep. That's the hood. All right. Well, the new strategy. I'm, here's what I'm going to tell you because I already I already caught. Uh, I believe it was last Sunday, not not yesterday, but the week before. Kellyanne Conway started mm-hmm. the. Uh, the narrative, and I think this is what you're going to start hearing. You ready? Mm-hmm. Here's the here's the great line. Well, the Democrats have already leaked 
um, the the parts of testimony and written and spoken, they've already leaked the stuff that is uh, good for them. Okay, mm-hmm. she said, you know, the uh, that's going to taint the public hearings. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That's uh, yeah, what you're going to hear. Right. You are going to hear that. That's going right. to be the line. But Remember Kangaroo Court? Just the new one. No, they're going to right. say... They're going to keep throwing spaghetti on the wall. They're going to say... See yeah, you already heard it from Trump. Oh, well, we need we need the Republicans to do it because... There were Republicans in the room. There were Republicans... Because the Democrats are going to forge it. They were, or they're going yeah. to coach the their Democrats, witnesses. The Republicans were allowed to ask questions. Right. The questions now, and the answers Lizzie are in the Graham transcripts. Said, I'm not involved. I'm not involved. I'm not even going to read it. Yeah. Whatever. It's 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 obvious right now. Yeah. You know? it's, He's a little kid. The, no, I'm not They're all in do on it. it. They're all in on it. They don't care. They don't care. What did Al Franklin tweeted something? Now that I'm back on Twitter, thanks to uh, their policy, he said, uh, you know, Trump. Uh, he he did a, a made up Trump quote. I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, and Lindsey Graham would still be against impeachment. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't anybody, matter. They're I, making a stand. And by the way, these turd burgers with a southern accent like Lindsey Graham and Mitch oh McConnell, God. forget about it. This is the Confederate. Remember they said the South will rise again? They never laid the fuck down. Yeah. All right? They just dropped the one knee. They're still pissed off. They're they still pissed off. They're trying, to, they're trying to undo. You know, they talk, these people say they're trying to undo the election. Y'all are trying to undo the results oh, of the Civil, Civil War. War, assholes. Yes. Because they're fighting for the Confederate states. All over again. That's what this is. This is a stand for the stars and bars. Yeah, well, here's who, the, here's, you Yankee? Here's what I'd like. Because Hannity keeps squawking about the need for Schiff and Whistleblower and Hunter Biden to be questioned under oath. We yeah. need to hear what they have to say. Yeah. You know what? You know yeah. what I'm thinking, right? I, I don't care. Hannity needs to be questioned under oath. And you know what? He might. I would he might lo- just. I'd love. He might just. Yeah. And he keeps under coming penalty up. of perjury. Mm-hmm. I want to hear him say the stuff that he says on TV, okay? And then be called. Understand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, one quick note before we get back to the groove. Yeah. Just keep an eye on this. Budget still. Yeah, I know. Federal budget gonna is still. It. He's going to shut it down again. I don't, you know what? I, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, think I, just, that, I don't want to make any predictions. Yeah, I'm telling you. I just, because here's the thing. I'm, I'm tired of underestimating how crazy wackadoo this asshole is. Well, on the subject of crazy wackadoo, you know what? What? Here's here's a song about a guy that made the Fab Four actually start to get cool. It was Bob Dylan and Dr. Robert on the Groovathon at SoFloRadio.com. <laughs> Well, 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 
money just to see yourself with Dr. Robin. Dr. Robin, you're a new better man. He helps you to understand. He does everything he can. Dr. Robin.
here. It's a lot of smoke and noise and it's strictly for the suckers. I've been pulling one kind of scam or another since I was your age. And if there's one thing I know, it's how to spot the genuine article. Because that's what you gotta watch out for. Not the cops. You can always get around the cops. But the one thing you can never, ever get around is the genuine article. And you, kid, are the genuine article. Are you saying you think you're a fake? I know I'm a fake. Well, what difference does it make if you get the job done? Kid, it makes all the difference in the world.
Nigeria. Why, why not? Yeah, baby. Afrobeat blues, man. Some cool shit. That is Hugh Masakila, Afrobeat blues from the Chisa years. All right, uh, so 1965 through 1975. Basically, uh, there was a studio that him and his other cat uh, were running, uh, 65 to 75, down in South Africa. All right. And the, this entire record, the Chisa years, Hugh Masakila, there was uh, a reviewer from uh, Dusty Groove said, the Chisa sound was one of the first true forays into pan-global grooving. So that is a obviously tailor-made for the groove of Don Baby. Hugh Masculine's got some great, great stuff out there. But this particular release, which is stuff that didn't, you know, didn't make it onto some of his later jazz albums and, and the Afro the Afro funk jazz thing that he really is kind of godfather of in many respects. For that Georgia Soul Twisters look out, I'm gonna blow your mind. Yeah, forty five they came out within uh about 67, 68 on Wax Wing Records. They have, uh, they have not a lot of stuff out there. A couple of 45s. Interesting stuff. Before that, Bertha, B-I-R-T-H-A, Work on a Dream from their uh, premier album, uh, same name, Bertha, came out in 72. From Los Angeles, another all-girl band, uh, the one I did last week. Uh, wrote it down here someplace. I can't remember what it was. Fanny. Okay. Fanny was the band I played last week. The old girl uh, band. It's another one of them. Uh, some cool stuff. They uh, there's actually a really on that particular album, uh, their their self titled uh, premiere album, Bertha. They do a really cool version of the song "Too Much Woman" for a henpecked man, which I've played. Mm. I played the original version uh, several years ago. It's the Ike and Tina Turner song. It's an Ike song, but uh, that's the original, and they do a very cool version of that track. Uh, on their premiere album. Before that, yeah, a little more Steve Martin. Yeah. Steve, I did, that's from Leap mm. of Faith. And if you haven't seen Leap of Faith, you should. It's a great... Yeah, it yeah. really is. won't like, tell you anything you don't already know, but it's nicely but displayed. It's like, that's the whole thing, though. That great line when the kid goes, are you saying you're a fake? He goes, I know I'm a fake. He said, I know I'm a fake. It's like wrestling. Yeah. But, Steve, we're begging you. You and Dan, let's go. Czechoslovakia, mm. you where are they from? Ukraine. We are we're just two wild and crazy guys from Ukraine. <laughs> right. Or from Czechoslovakia, although you cannot you know, tell. You cannot <laughs> tell. <laughs> yeah, it writes itself. It wrote yes. Yes. <laughs> it does the shit we could literally yeah, yo, just SNL, submit the script. Yo, yeah. Lord, Lord Michaels, no problem. Yeah, we yeah. got you we got you covered right here. I can have that sure. we could have that written and ready to go. What, 48 hours? Sure, right. Yeah. You write it up. We can just, like, like, we'll act out the parts. Yeah, we'll do the no mock-up. problem. That's we'll a, that's a, that. We'll do the treatment. Yeah, if you can't, <laughs> if you haven't, if nobody's gotten around to that yet, yeah. I, I don't, how is it possible they haven't? They didn't oh do a God. live show this weekend. You know, I, it was a repeat. Right. So. If they do that on the, if they do that, because um, Lev is going to testify. Oh, yeah. We'll probably see Lev testify. So if that oh, shows up, if that shows up, testify? if that shows up on SNL, we'll fall right out of our seats. We'll just we'll oh, co- yeah. we'll just commit two uh, wild and crazy uh, guys uh, testifying before Congress. Right, right. Would it be right. great if that's what they did? Walking walking in, yeah, walking doing in the thing with the fingers. Yeah, there it is. That's exactly it. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, before that, James Addiction suffer some from Strays. That was uh, the album they came out with uh, in uh, 2003. It was like 13 years after the one before. Before that, Roxy Music remake remodel. That is a live version of the song. Uh, the original version is from the uh, the very first album, Roxy Music, which uh, you know with uh, Brian, the, the Bryans, Ferry and Eno. Okay. Um, and kicking off the set, the Beatles. Dr. Robert. Love that song. That is, uh, you know, it's it's from Revolver, but it was not on the American release mm. of Revolver. In order to get that song, you had to get uh, the album Yesterday and Today. Mm. There were a bunch of songs that were on uh, the UK releases that And Your Bird, uh, I think it was And Your Bird Can Sing, um, If I Needed Someone. Was another track that I don't think made it on the original song yesterday and today. Yesterday and today is one of those uh, albums that if you can find the original, I think Oren Portnoy, my friend Oren from from uh, from New York, Salon's younger brother, he's now now in uh, Phoenix somewhere. He's got a fantastic Beatles collection, like really good stuff, original stuff on you know the Atlantic labels, you know before Apple came around, and um, that album, uh, Yesterday and Today, was the original Butcher Baby cover it had yeah, no i remember yeah I and then they mm-hmm. had to replace it with the four of them sitting in the steamer trunk mm-hmm. if you can find one with the original butcher baby cover right yeah it's, in, it's especially cold. if it's in fine condition mm-hmm. okay you're talking that's a thousand dollar record the one that's that is still floating around that i believe Oren has is what they did is when there was all the brouhaha they took the original butcher baby and they literally pasted over that and they paste it over it with the steamer trunk, mm-hmm. and you could see that it yeah, was they pasted it over. So everybody knows it. So if you find one of those, that's uh, that's a yesterday and today's. What a great record that is! I just, oh god! So time for me to take care of the people who take care of me. You know how that is. Yeah, the vets, the veterans, our soldiers, right? and of course, yeah, Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida, nine five four. Two four seven nine three six two. I missed his uh, cruising. Shit, it was oh, wow. uh, this past Friday. Yeah, it's the uh, second Friday of every month. Um, any make, any model, bumper to bumper. Dave Carey and his entire A S E certified crew of wrench wrangling, horsepower heightening, camshaft crafting, transmission tingling, busted knuckle braving garage gurus. Mm. Okay, I had to. That's a mouthful. I, I, yeah, here's the thing. I couldn't say tranny tingling. No, not anymore. <laughs> it's not what it used to be. So okay, uh, these guys are not only basically becoming the acknowledged go-to crew for Barrett Jackson worthy muscle machines in uh, South Florida, Broward, Dade, Palm Beach. Okay, they're also the kind of OCD gear guides. Okay, for whom good enough ain't good enough unless it's perfect. Dave, this is this is Dave's problem with finding people to work mm-hmm. with him there. Good enough ain't good enough. It's either perfect right. or it's wrong. Right. He is, uh, yeah, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, tool and die guy. If you can't find a part, he'll make it. He, and it's, you know, I, I had that little spot in there where he had the, uh, the 353 stroke where he put into the 69 Camaro. And I, mm-hmm. I was over there maybe a week ago, a week and a half ago, and I said, you know, you say these things. What are, what are you talking about when you say the can the uh, the uh, the can the uh, the valves sound nice and 
nice and fluffy. The cams are nice and fluffy. I'm like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Fluffy cams. Fluffy cams? I don't even... There's that's a porno movie right there. <laughs> Tranny tingling, fluffy cam, <laughs> fluffy cams. I don't know. Hey, easy to get to. Okay, right off I ninety five. You get off on Atlantic Avenue. You go west to the first light, which is Andrews. You make the left turn on Andrews, and you go to the very first light, which is Third Street. You make the right turn. He's two blocks up. Sixty seconds off the highway. And by the way, mm-hmm. I actually timed it again, and that included waiting for the light at Andrews. 60 Run seconds off the highway. You can't beat it. And he's actually now, he put in a new lift. He's got a new lift in there now. So he's got more stuff. And he's got some cars out there. He had that that uh, that, that uh, Coronado. Oh, my God. It's not that popular a car. But this one was just a cream fucking fluff, man. Unbelievable. Mention the Groovathon. You go over to mm-hmm. Dave. Just mention the Groovathon. There's a discount. Okay. Not a huge discount, but a little discount. Okay, and the fact of the matter is, you're not going to need it, okay? Because you compare the basically the honesty, okay, in the pricing schedule and what it costs to get something done there versus anywhere else. I don't know what else to say. Okay, he's got a regular per hour billing thing. It's right there. It says it right there, and he shows you exactly how long he had to work on it. Okay, and if he's not, you know, ramping it up like, oh, it was three and a half hours, so I'll charge him for four hours. No, you can charge him three and a half hours. Okay, honest auto mechanic. <laughs> All right, the rarity of rarities. Indeed. Of course, you can go to the uh, soflowradio.com website, click on the box on the top row that says Tony C's Grooveton. It's going to take you right to my page. You're going to see a link for Precision Auto Works. Above that, you're going to see a link. To our SoundCloud page. Yeah, Angel. Mucho an angel. mahalo to our boy Angel. Getting a jizzy dizzy, man. We love that action. Mm-hmm. Every show is available to be listened to for free. You can't put a price on Groove, at least not in 2019. You cannot put, can't, can't be done. And the list of songs for every show that's ever been done is mm-hmm. on the page. I am working on putting together a list, you know, that is uh, searchable. And going to try and figure out before the end of the year, before uh, we do the, uh, this is uh, show 98, before we do show 100, maybe mm-hmm. by then we'll have figured out a way to do it. So that if you want to go and find where your favorite songs have been played, you can look it up by band or by song title. There you go. Okay. So I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah. In the works. It's in the works, baby. It's in the works. Two four seven nine. Excuse me, nine five four. Two four seven nine three six two. This is one of those easy phone numbers for me to remember. Cause Alon, Alon Fortnite from the Fuzzstones, one of my best friends, you know, to this day. Okay, he he was one of the uh, few people I knew when I was in high school. I had my own phone in mm-hmm. my room, but I didn't have my own phone line. Oh, okay. The same one as my mom, but after she went to sleep, basically. Okay. Yeah, she turned the ringer off. Alon had his own phone. Two one two two four seven zero five eight six. Some numbers I just don't forget. That was the number to Frog's Place Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida. It's the place where people who love their cars take their cars. You all know what that means, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's time to pop the clutch on a drive groove at SoFloRadio.com. dot <laughs> 
Yeah, baby. Yeah. Stanley Clark and Friends. That's uh, from the live album, Live at the Greek. The song, of course, is the Billy Cobham tune. Oh, excuse me. Stratus. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, Stratus, which is a Billy Cobham tune. I have, I don't I have at least five different versions of that song, okay? One by Senri Kawaguchi, the the, uh, the the drummer, the little girl from Japan who's like this monster mm-hmm. drummer. I played the Dave Brubeck thing that she had done, uh, Blue Rondo a la Turk. Uh, the great version by her. I've got one with uh, Mike Portnoy on drums. I've got the original Billy Cobham version. i got one with Billy Cobham and George Duke that is excellent. Uh, on that particular one, it's uh, Stanley Clark, Billy Cobham, uh, Larry Carlton on uh, guitar. Najee is also uh, is the sax player on that. He's uh, one of these guys. He's played with everybody. He's a cat. He's from Queens. I've seen Stanley Clark. <laughs> I was going through all these people. I was trying to figure out if there was somebody I hadn't seen. There's one band. There's one guitar player out of that whole thing that I haven't seen. But Stanley Clark, I've seen several times. I've seen him with uh, – first time I ever saw him was actually with School Days at Madison Square Garden opening for Bob Marley and the Whalers. There's a show for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw Billy Cobham when he was uh, he was playing drums for Bobby and the Midnights for a while. I saw that song with uh, those guys opening for Hot Tuna. And then uh, maybe a year or two after that, I saw him in New York when uh, Ma Vishnu got back together with John McLaughlin. Larry Carlton, I got great seats to see this guy. Front row seats at uh, the Blue Note, which used to be down the village in New York. Before that, yeah. Focus, Father Bacchus. Now, this is from their, I think it's their latest album, Focus 10. Now, these guys have been around, obviously. I'm a massive, massive Jan Ackerman fan. He's the original guitar player to this day. The greatest guitar solo ever on a studio album. Anonymous Part 2 from Focus 3. I'll I'll fight to the death to have anybody with that, Okay. Um, over the years, he has, you know, Jan Ackerman is going off on his own. He's been doing a lot of other stuff. I've played a bunch of his stuff, Streetwalker. He's got a brand new album out that I'm going to be, I've listened to. There's some great tracks on that. I'll get around to that probably after the first of the year. But on this album, the, the, two, the two original members that are still there are uh, This Van Leer, mm-hmm. okay, keyboard, flautist, you know, whack job. He's, this guy's out there, man. Um, and the original drummer, Pierre Vander Linden, still playing with him, baby, after all these years. Of course, he, uh, I love this, the album features Menno Gouges on guitar, who was replacing Niels van der Steenhoven. Of course. Wait, I've got a, you've got a van Steve Ho, you've got a van der Steenhoven poster somewhere, right? Right. Oh, no, in, in my bedroom. There you know, go. Above the on bed. On the wall. Above the bed, on the ceiling <laughs> there. Before that, Medeski Martin Wood with John Schofield doing the uh, the song Sham Time. That is a live studio session. The uh, the original the studio version of that that they do is from the album Juice, came out in 2014. John Schofield, one of my favorite guitar players of all time. The original version of Sham Time I was talking to is by uh, Eddie Harris, saxophone player. Came out in '68. Cool album, by the way. I yeah. yeah. Absolutely dynamite stuff. So John Schofield uh, on his Ogogo tour many years ago. That was at the Iridium 
in New York, mm. where Iridium is now, uh, when it was uh, across the street from Lincoln Center. And that's also where I saw Les Paul used to play there. He was playing, at, she used to play, I guess, at, uh, Fat Tuesdays or whatever, every Monday night, and then he moved up to Iridium. I've seen him three times over here. I mean, the Les Paul. Fucking the Les Paul. Yeah. Okay? You know? But uh, we got great seats. The one show I've been to with my brother Dan, mm-hmm. and I got great seats. Shout out to Samantha Black, who, who was working for Verve Jazz at the time. And here's the tie-in. You ready? I just thought of All this. Right. Here's the tie-in. At the beginning of the show, I always say what time it is in Istanbul, Turkey. Right. And today happens to be Celeste Ganderson's birthday. She's the one who lives in, in Istanbul. Istanbul. At the time... Happy birthday. Yeah. She... Was living at Four Patch in Place with Samantha Black and Tara Poland. All right, and they were living in the brownstone that E. E. Cummings lived in. Oh, for like the last forty years of his life. Yeah, yeah. You, okay. There, there were times we they used to have a party every. Uh, ho- was it Halloween? I think it was Halloween. They would have a party, and it was like it was such a good party. It like got written up in various local newspapers after a while. It was in. Um in my sophomore English class, Honors English, that um, while while listening to an E.E. E. Cummings poem, that I realized how much I hate poetry. poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, the funniest thing is, is that, you know, during the a, during a warm weather months, they have like these walking tours of the, of the village. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for whatever reason, I have woken up in that brownstone on several occasions. And... Uh, you know, you you get you come downstairs, you're hungover from the night before, you've been partying all night, everything great. And you look outside, there's like this group of people standing outside the front door because there's a plaque on the you know, on a brownstone. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling telling the girls, I was like, You know what you need to do? Because this is right when Limelight had opened the club and they opened in a church. And mm-hmm. one of the things they had was like a uh, hologram. You know, is it a hologram, hologram moves or holograph? For for what? I don't know what you're... What you know, like you're... a holo... You know, moving, it's like a... Yeah, it's a holograph. A holograph. They had a holograph of Jesus crawling around on all fours and then throwing up in the corner or something. <laughs> you know, which, of course, they had to stop after a while, you know, what's his name. But I said, you know what you need to do? You need to get a hologram, okay, of E.E. Mm-hmm. E. Cummings. Oh, you know, you open up the door and have E.E. E. Cummings literally greeting the door. She was like, you know what? The lawsuits from the inevitable heart attack that will happen, it's not worth it. It's a great idea, but, and kicking off the drive groove, yeah, Carmine Apice's Guitar Zeus is the album. That is killing time, and a guitar player on that is Ty Tabor, who was the uh, guitar player for King's X. Um, this album was actually originally released, I played a bunch of tracks off this over the years, uh, it came out in 95, it was re-released earlier this year. As a double album, it's got some additional tracks on it. Um, I saw Carmine Apsey with uh, Vanilla Fudge, like his original band. All right. Yeah, up in uh, West Palm. It was like The Doors, The Yardbirds, and Vanilla Fudge. What, you know, what was left of okay. these various bands, you know, and shit. But, you know, he's a he's still monster drummer. Monster drummer. Hey, the best version of Superstition ever done? Uh, Beck Bogart and Apsey. All right. That version, yeah. Jeff Beck wrote the song, in case anybody's interested. You know? All right. Yeah, you know, it's a Stevie Wonder made, but uh, Jeff Beck's the guy who basically wrote it. So I saw, I've seen him, and I saw Ty Tabor, uh, the guitar player. I saw him with, I was just talking, you know, my friend Paul just sent me a text. You know, I was like, hey, I'm on here, man. Aren't you my friend? Don't you actually listen to the show? 
But uh, I went with him and saw the Jelly Jam, which okay. was the band that Ty Tabor and Rod Morgenstein, mm-hmm. uh, one of my all, or the subject of monster fucking drummers. Okay, he's one of my five favorite drummers of all time. All right, um, it's Rod Morgenstein on drums, Ty Tabor on guitar, and John Young on bass from uh, Dream Theater. And that's the thing. Paul Page plays bass, and we're sitting there. And, uh, you know, this is some joint out in Jersey. Can't remember what the name of the theater was. But uh, we're watching the show, and he, Paul leads over to me. He goes, he's looking at John Young's, like, his bass setup. He's got his own bass tech on stage, you know. Back All right. There. He's got at least two of the exact identical same bass. Okay. So he can swap them out. Okay, He doesn't change basses. In between, you know, different style. You know, you see these guitar players that want to go from a fucking Les Paul to a Telly to a, you know, to a fucking Gretsch hollow body. You know, different sounds. He wants the same bass. So he's got like two or three of them and his own bass technician there. And this huge, you know, big setup with the big speaker and all these knobs. Paul leans over to me. just goes, man, I've got bass rig envy. Because <laughs> he had just... We were on on the drive out there. He had just finished telling me how he had gotten like this new the the components they're making for setups are much smaller now. You know, everything gets miniaturized, everything gets smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was telling me about the new one that he's got. Then he's like, "It's real." I could, you know, I used to have to load up the trunk with the whole. He's like, "Now I just have this, and I can plug it into this." You know, it works. He's he's looking at that, and right? He just leans over in the middle of the show. He goes. Man, I'm getting bass rig envy. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to I gotta give Paul a call this evening, so I'll give you a call later on. So there you go, baby ninety eight of books. We're creeping. We are creeping towards it. Yeah. We are fucking creeping. Good timing with the end of the year and everything. With that. Yeah, man. It worked out and you know, we're gonna come back in two weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll do the exact same thing again, just a little bit better. However <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> we are going to uh I, I was just talking to you. You're going to put together some stuff. Yeah, and, let me submit some stuff. Yeah. And there. Uh, also, I'm going to start looking through some of the archives and picking out a few favorites. Normally, right. you know, I try and... I'm not a big fan. You know, I've been going through mm-hmm. the list of songs. And I've played, you know, stuff more than once. There are a few yeah. songs i played on two or three occasions. Okay. And, you know, if you've got a problem with me playing Led Zeppelin... Uh, nobody's fault but mine or Hots for Nowhere more than once, then you're listening to the wrong radio show, motherfucker. You got a problem with me playing James Brown, Soul Brother Number 1, more than once. I, I don't even think, I can't be your friend. I'm not sure. If you've got a problem with me playing the Beatles, okay, you know, any Beatles song more than once. Right. Okay. I've, I mean, there's plenty of them out there. I played a lot. One of the things I was realizing as I'm putting together, you know, the mm-hmm. master list is that how many songs I've played various versions of two, mm-hmm. three different versions of the same song. Right. Nobody's fault but mine. Perfect example. Mm-hmm. I got the Zeppelin version. I got the version I played with that uh, chick and uh, what's her name? Uh, damn, I played a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, a couple I know what you're ago. talking about. Okay. I've also played a version. Here's one you're going to love, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's one nobody else is playing. I played this way back. Nina Hagen. Mm-hmm. Nobody's fault but mine. How you like that? Yeah, brah. We span the globe. Asia on reality at its finest. Indeed. 
We're going to get you out of here on Vets Day. This is a song I stumbled across. Somebody, this is one of those things, you know, you don't do Facebook. Okay? Not anymore. Yeah. Here's the thing that I love about Facebook. Okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm not obsessed with it. I don't mm-hmm. use my I never do it on my phone. Ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. Okay? And what the great thing is is that my friends post a lot of music. This song, that song. Okay? I love it. Mm-hmm. And somebody posted this. And it is David Byrne in New York at, uh, I think it's downtown at uh, Town Hall, which is a series of Joe's, I think Joe's Pub is in there. I saw Tammy Faye in there mm-hmm. uh, once with uh, with uh, Lenny Kay sitting in with her, which is, you know, cool, because the Brogue song I played earlier mm-hmm. was from the Nuggets collection, which Lenny Kay put together. So David Byrne goes down, and he goes into he's going to do a show and what he did was the the crowd mm-hmm. the, the audience had assembled and so for one hour they rehearsed one hour all right and then they record this there's a video of it that and i told you this i said you know people are always posting this stuff oh i watched this and it gave me chills it's you know mm-hmm. okay this one i watched it and it gave me chills i and okay that I just said, I said it. It's there. I said awesome. it. And they rehearsed for one hour. And it's just the people from New York. This isn't a regular choir. These are the mm-hmm. people that showed up to fucking see the show. The David Byrne show. And he put them all out there in the, you know, in the entranceway in the main lobby. Mm-hmm. And they've got a conductor there and a guy on guitar. It's just a guy on acoustic guitar. David Byrne, the conductor, and like a hundred people that had rehearsed for an hour as the choir. And it is, it is, it is Great. absolutely, I I was so happy because I was telling you, hey, you know, want to come up with a song, close out the show, Veterans Day, you know, and mm-hmm. this is, I, you, it doesn't get better than this. It's heroes. All right. It's heroes, man. And it is a version of it. That is is worthy of our men and women in uniform. It really right. is. I do know. You know how I feel about that. I'm the same All as right. you. Mm-hmm. We love the troops. We hate the people that make decisions on where to send them. Yeah. Okay. Typically. Yeah. You know. But hey, you and I go on the air and we say anything we want. Right. We say anything we want. For now, For while now. supplies last. Hey. <laughs> That ain't going Knocking away. On wood. That ain't going away. It well, ain't go- even if we have to do it illegally, we're we'll damn right. 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 Yo, Radio Caroline, baby. That's when right. I was living in, when I was living in Ireland, in Dublin, in order to get Radio Caroline, I had to get the, those antennas. You know, it was like mm-hmm. the the cord that went into a T. Yeah. Okay. And I would have to literally switch mm-hmm. it to a different side of my room for like the three or four hours they were on. Yeah. Out of the boat off Spain in order to pick up coverage of Radio Caroline. Right on. Yeah, I got to listen to the original of that. In any event, for myself and my pal, Gramps Master Flash, George Rodriguez, and a big mucho mahalo, of course, all the vets and all the men and women in uniform right now who are, you know, they're out there, say what you will. They're out there. They're standing between us and motherfuckers who say we can't do what we do here. Guess what? We can I want to come back in a couple of weeks. We're going to try and do the exact same thing again. As always, 
It is aloha and peace. Good night, Mom. could swim like dolphins like dolphins can swim and nothing nothing can keep us together we will beat them forever and ever we will be heroes just for one day.
This is SoFloRadio.com.